Tom. And you're listening to Sunglasses at Night podcast. It is 2003. 2003. This is the podcast where we take a look back through our metaphorical ray-bans at a year in musical history via the ARIA charts, Australian Recording Industry Association charts, and ask what the fuck was going on. So what was happening in 2003? Tom, can you tell me what was happening in 2003? I can tell you one thing that happened in 2003. Um... I don't want to start the podcast off, you know, on a somber mood, but um, the space shuttle Columbia blasted off up into space Mm. and then on the way down, burnt up on re-entry and everyone on board died. So... Bit of a bummer. It was a bit of a bummer, but that was big news that year. Um, If only the same would happen to... Who's on top of your list for that to to happen to? (laughs) Richard Branson or Elon Musk... Or Jeff Bezos. If one of them had to die in a fiery burn-up re-entry, who, who's, who's on top of your list? Well, seeing as I've generated enough bad karma to last many lifetimes, I'll say that I don't really fantasise about, much as those people have a lot of problems, you know. No, I'm not, I'm not saying you fantasise. I'm just saying those guys are going into space. One of them... It will inevitably burn up on re-entry. Who's it going to be? Um, I think it's going to be uh, when they find out that Jeffrey Epstein faked his own death uh, yeah. and his Lolita space uh, comet shuttle will uh, burn up on re-entry and then I'll feel justified in being happy. <laughs> yeah. You think he's going to just, like, A, fake his own death but just be living on the moon? Is that sort of a... <laughs> I've just I'm a billionaire. I've got all these rich friends. I've just you know blasted off in a SpaceX rocket. I've set up a colony on the moon, and uh, yeah, the age of consent here is twelve. So I'm doing whatever I want. Don't tell me that uh, moon secret moon sex colony is not something that you know politicians have looked into in the past. It's also a new Adam Sandler film, I think, Tom. So, <laughs> Moon Sex Colony 2. Um, I did see like a film about Nazis that had hidden on the moon until... Really? Pretty, yeah. Okay. Called Iron Sky. That was not too bad. Yeah? Definitely. trashy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So, that happened. Um, Human Genome Project... Ah, nice. Yep. They they brought, they um, mapped the human genome. Mapped that guy. Um, ninety nine percent of it, I think, they completed. I don't know whether they've, they've probably done the extra one percent <laughs> now, but uh, so that was that was quite the breakthrough. It's see, kids these days are just sort of saying, "Oh, look, I mapped the human genome." You know, <laughs> grade one, we just do it before lunch. But back in two thousand and three, it's quite a big deal, I think. Yeah, like a lot of uh, massive scientific breakthroughs, like you know finding the Higgs boson yep. particle and so forth, um, they are promised to be these huge, you know, world-changing events, but then it turns out that, oh, what a surprise, the answer to that question generated about 100,000 other questions that we can't actually <laughs> answer right now. But yeah. Yeah, so 
as yeah. yet they haven't found how to magically switch off all the genes that people don't like it's like the one that makes food taste better so you get really fat and yeah. so forth the one that makes all my hair fall out when I'm 25 and, <laughs> <you know. laughs> the one that uh, yeah I mean that's the that's one that the makes thing. people believe QAnon is, you know that JFK Jr. is coming back to help Donald Trump you know where are we on that? Is he, is he definitely not coming back, or do we know that? He didn't, um, he didn't come back when they thought he was going to. But is it like an end-of-the-world scenario yes. where you just go, he's, it's the end of the world, it's the 4th of June mm. 2008, and then that rolls around and it's like, oh, I forgot to... The whole thing is just a giant goalpost transportation device that shifts the goalposts infinitely. Yeah, it's got to divide that by, by two. Instead yeah. of three, or, yeah, or something like that. Oh, I thought it was a leap year. So once I factor <laughs> that in, the world's going to end. Yeah. So okay, interesting. Um. Yeah. Not much else. Uh, else happened. Really. Let's face it. Nothing happened. World's final Concorde <laughs> final flight. Concorde flight. Yes. After the, uh, you know, September 11 put the crimp in high end international <laughs> travel, and uh, that giant terrifying explosion. Happened yep. uh, shortly earlier in 2000, they, yeah. I mean, the Concorde... It was just, sick. It looked fucking <laughs> rad, don't yep. get me wrong, but it didn't really... It wasn't actually really any kind of technological innovation. All they did was make a very small, a thin plane that carried fuck all people and burnt four times as much fuel <laughs> as a normal plane. That's why it charged go. everyone on board 20,000 yeah. pounds for the trip. That's how it goes really fast. Like, could it, how, could you it go can twice the speed of a commercial flight or more like th- three times the speed? Well, was it, it, was, sort of... it was through the speed, through the sound barrier. Okay. So you so faster than the speed of sound. Yep. So I think a normal plane goes at about half the speed of sound, a passenger jet okay. approximately. So you're getting double the speed. So you're getting you're getting to uh, to Brisbane in an hour. Yes, <laughs> that's right. But with the so, laws of entropy and so forth, yep. that it means you to go twice as fast, you spend four times as much energy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a miracle of engineering, like the like the you know how the plane has like an inner shell yep. in an outer shell and that sort of thing in the Concorde the inner shell was like th- had to be like there had to be like three inches of empty space between yep. the two yeah, the, the okay. skins because the pressure and the heat involved in travelling at that speed meant that it would contract oh, around right. like it, the, the, the engineering involved was amazing but will it make a comeback can we see Concorde Mark <laughs> 2 is that like a Bezos type thing maybe once I the... think the problem is the people who could afford something like that they don't want to fucking share a plane with the plebs even nah. the plebs who pay 20,000 quid for a seat they want their own plane that's so, true yeah you know if you could get a if, if Richard Branson could develop mini Concords that yeah. only one person and his underage sex harem could fit into, yeah. then then you'd be onto something. But. I think there was probably a time where Richard Branson could have developed a Concorde type competitor, but he was too busy taking on Coke and Pepsi with um, Virgin <laughs> Cola, I think, which was a more pressing issue to deal with. With a bottle shaped like Pamela Anderson, Tom, I believe that Pamela Anderson was the model for the for the Virgin Cola bottle. If you don't know what Virgin Cola is, don't worry, no one does because it was around for about two weeks, I think. And Did you ever try it? I, I could never find it. <laughs> no, didn't try it. That was, what, 20, 20 plus, 20 years ago? I don't know, maybe 25 years ago, but sort of a late 90s type thing. When that was, a, that was um, maybe it's good that people, I'm sort of giving them shit for wanting to go into space, but maybe it's positive they can do that because there was a period of time where it's just like, what's the most exciting thing you can do? 
make it cola, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> Probably have an airline. Cool. Sure. So, definitely. Anyway, should we music time? Yeah. Um, most of the other stuff that happened there was incredibly depressing political shit involving the Iraq war. Well, it's, and it's, let's, yeah. Yeah, it's not an Olympic year, so we can't talk about how <laughs> exciting the Olympics oh, um, was. Arnold Schwarzenegger was officially made governor of oh, California. That happened after good. the recall election. So yeah. That's good, that's good. That's, so. a, that's, a, that's a bit of good news. I didn't live there, so for me, I got to enjoy watching him bust out his old catchphrases every single time he was in <laughs> any kind of speech. Because there is a man who knows what people want. Yeah. And he's right. Do you think um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, um, who you may have seen in Grown Ups 2, Tom, (laughs) do you think um, he will one day be president of the United States of America? Because the problem is Mm. Arnie couldn't be because he's he's born in, in Austria. But... The son is born in America, and the son's mother is uh, of a Kennedy line of descent. Yes. So, yeah. uh, descendant of JFK Jr., who's going to rise again to help Trump. So, <laughs> <laughs> could Arnold Schwarzenegger's son one day be the, mm, new, the, the president? With a resurrected Hillary Clinton back I think from so. the dead yeah. to help. Yeah. I think it's possible. Maybe we need to start an insane left-wing conspiracy to, to counterbalance all the right-wing conspiracies. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> a new po- who, who would be from, who's from the left that's going to well, come back? Well, fuck this JFK Jr. bullshit. Where's the actual JFK? If we're just going to bring people back from the dead. Yep. Of course, the actual JFK faces the slight hurdle that if he came back to life now, he would be cancelled within 0.05 seconds of... Reappearing, yeah. yeah, leaning out of a time machine to immediately grab the nearest person walking past on the tits <laughs> <laughs> if they were female or even if they were male, just in case, you know. Yeah, exactly. Look, but anyway. um, we could we could dig someone up. <laughs> so, the future of America rests on the shoulders of um, Arnie's son. Um, <laughs> that's right, by the sounds of it, I think. So, that's good. I'm looking for an Arnie's son versus Clint Eastwood's son election. Yeah. In the next 20 years, that's what I'm hoping oh, for. Oh, gee, that'll be pretty good, I think. Cool. So, music wise, uh, start of 2003, we had eight more weeks of Eminem Lose Yourself. Mm. You may recall at the end of that last year, 2002, popular. people loved it um, off the back of Eight Mile. And into 2003, people just continued loving that all through January, yeah. all through February. They were going, we can't so, get enough. I guess you can say at this point that hip-hop is officially not just part of the mainstream thing, but it is it is becoming one of the... People, and there is no longer any... Partly because Eminem's white, I guess, but there is yep. no longer any sort of mainstream uh, knee-jerk weariness of hip-hop anymore. It is officially just normal bread-and-butter pop music it's like business as usual yeah, yeah exactly right correct um, so you've got rappers pop songs will have that rap verse in them yep. either a featuring or you know one of the backstreet boys will give rapping a go yep. generally not great but they'll do it Eurobeat's uh, got some of the biggest rhymes <laughs> Eurobeat by a yeah. Belgian yeah. Uh, guy Ice MC Miming will show up yeah the top of a black dude <laughs> exactly right so from this point on yeah, you're right. Early 90s, a number one rap song with, as we saw with Vanilla Ice. 
uh, was a novelty, yeah. but by now it's just through yeah. the nineties that's just come into Absolutely. the mainstream. Absolutely, him and him put the stamp on it by having the right skin color. But after that, then it's now it's it's open for business. Oh, definitely, we're going to get to see a lot more coming up. So that's exciting. Yeah. So the first new number one song of two thousand and three, one of my favorite performers, Tom Christina Aguilera, with "Beautiful" for uh, one yes. week. Yes. Now, what I like about Christina Aguilera is that you never know what you're going to get, Tom. That's my favourite part of Christina Aguilera's performance. This is an emotional R&B ballad, um, while the song, the single that immediately preceded this was Dirty with two R's. Yes. Going to get a little bit dirty. Uh, And in that one, if you recall the video clip, Christina looked like she'd just stepped foot off a trailer park located within a dirt bike track that was in turn located on a garbage dump. Mm. It was extremely <laughs> trashy. She was Yes, they definitely took the name of that song literally. Like, oh, yeah. It and wasn't it, just metaphorical. No, it, d- it didn't help that the start of the song was just uh, Red Man going, Dirty, mm, filthy, <laughs> nasty. Just saying those words. <laughs> it's like, sure. oh, what's going to happen with this? Uh, and then she's lowered into a boxing ring in a cage wearing an American flag bra, the smallest <laughs> red underpants that exist, and leather chaps. And of course, the song features the finest lyrics in pop I need it to get me off sweat until my clothes come off. Mm. So, you know, it's. Mm. And that's, that's sort of, you know, juxtaposed with this emotional R&B ballad so yeah, yes. um, yeah and she's also wearing a skirt that just covers her snatch and knee pads in the next scene mm. so knee pads is sort of <laughs> I'm not sure where that's going we didn't know whether she was involved in a street boxing sort of brawl or a gangbang it was hard to tell what yes. the direction the song was yes. but uh, they dialed it back about a billion percent on this <laughs> emotional ballad piano ballad she's still looking a bit trash because she's got that black yeah. hair under blonde that was popular at the time and a diamond lip stud, but yeah. this is um, less trashy than dirty. Yes, definitely. This is more like her earlier stuff, which I'm a little bit surprised has not shown up on here yet. She must have been in the top five with a few of her earlier songs. Yeah, Genie in the Bottle, I believe, yeah, that must didn't have quite crack the number there. one, but yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I know what you mean. Fashion-wise, this was a bad era to take the ever-popular not a virgin anymore phase of your <laughs> yeah. pop career public. When you do that, you really want to err on the side of sexy instead of trashy and maybe maintain a tiny bit of dignity. Yeah. You don't really want to do it in arseless chaps and a spray tan that's about three Pantone shades away from blackface. Yeah. You kind of want to do it in a classy way like Miley Cyrus, you know, wearing flesh-coloured plastic underpants and rubbing your vag on the guy who sang Blurred Lines. <laughs> exactly. Know, with a giant foam finger <laughs> with on a giant hand, finger, like yeah. you're doing a cameo in Family Guy or something. Uh, yeah, look, and we can recall from that that the inventor of the foam finger went on record to <laughs> saying that's not what its intended purpose was yes. so yeah, that's, the foam that's finger good. guy drew the line <laughs> that performance <laughs> he said look you're meant to be celebrating in sports stadiums you're not meant to pretend to be finger blasting yourself with yeah. this giant foam finger so look yeah I know what you mean not the best era to be yeah, going off the, the, the teen virgin thing yeah. into your more racier sort For of image 95 to 2005 was a fucking fashion wasteland it truly oh was. yeah it, it, you know Without every time I look up one of these videos it's it's just, trashy yeah. yeah it is definitely Pro- professional human beings were paid considerable amounts of money to pick out the clothes and outfits 
for these people yeah. and this is what they came up with. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. This is what was shit hot at the time. So back when I was giving shit to fucking the guy from the guy who sang Never Ending Story for his outfit Lamar, choices yeah. in <laughs> Kajagoogoo <laughs> song, yeah. Too Shy, really it's no worse than this, you know. In fact, it could, in some ways, you could say it's better because he wasn't really trying to be sexy. Well, that that TLC one where they look like they're at like a bondage rave type. Yeah, thing. they look a... like they're electro derelict. Legato's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> rave collection. Exactly, and look, it's interesting that you bring up the spray tan shades because you're right. If you're obviously the point of a, a spray tan is to make yourself darker than your regular skin color that's what a tan is but if you overshoot you are entering into some very dangerous full body blackface type scenario so which um iggy azalea found out (laughs) all about i believe just last year tom in 2021 where she applied some uh foundation that people (laughs) deem to be (laughs) slightly beyond the uh, there's a, there's I guess yeah. yeah there's the line there where it's sort of you can go up to this line but if you go over that you're effectively yeah. you know black facing on hey hey it's Saturday. Check one of the Star Wars prequels for a podcast. I think it was the second one, the clones one, mm. and in that it's the one where uh, Natalie Portman and what's his face spend half the movie flirting oh. and. <laughs> romancing each other yep. um, on a planet and for the whole time she's there yeah I think they filmed it in Australia and they got really dark tans and then they've put more tan on Natalie Portman and yeah there's a touch of the Rachel Dolezal about her really <laughs> she's got and they've given her these kind of cornrowish hair yeah it's a, it's a weird look I know what you mean it's just it's getting a bit too close to yeah you know. it's not quite it's not Thomas C. Howe as the soul man Tom but it's very close to that yeah so, yep. it's getting towards sort of Latino cosplay kind of stuff which yep. is a bit like what Christina was doing here in for this for the next few years that no was, doubt her look seemed to be dirt bike yeah. Cosplay. Oh, exactly. Look, um, of indeterminate race, and it really wasn't a particularly good look. So, appearance aside, the video clip was also controversial because in the boxing scene, uh, the boxing ring scene, oh, yeah. there's posters in the background, all written in Thai, that promote the sex industry. <laughs> so they read, "quote Thailand sex tourism" and "quote." young underage girls on these posters in the background and they had to issue an apology to the Thai government I believe because oh so they made those posters up there were posters so I believe the video clip was filmed maybe it was filmed in Thailand but yeah there were posters in the background oh okay so there were real posters I think they may have made them for this but yeah anyway so they were they were in there so um so Certainly promoting underage sex was Christina Aguilera. Mm. So if it's revealed in several years' time that she is the female Jeffrey Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, let's just say that the <laughs> warning signs were there That's in the dirty true. video. So dirty, of course, the word features two R's. And this was this was a red hot period for adding an extra R in to a song for no apparent reason because Nelly's Hot in Here oh, yes. was also two <laughs> R's hot in here and Chingy's Right There where there was spelt T-H-U-R-R. So everyone was just loving the double R. I know is, you're a big Chingy fan. Massive Chingy fan. Is Chingy <laughs> the best rapper of the 2000s? Don't know. Probably not. I don't know. 
Uh, I don't. <laughs> yes, I mean, let's he say definitely yes. is. I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves, uh, and I th- I think the reason for that is that I'd say that he may have been cancelled because the lyrics of Chingy Jackpot are quote Chingy, why are your eyes so chinky? Is it because you've been smoking and drinking? <laughs> now, mm-hmm. what I suspect is the Chinese government <laughs> may have put an end to his career. Was, I, was Chingy actually Asian? No, he wasn't. That's, oh, okay. that's, the, that's the problem with this. So. I mean, not that it would have been much better if he was. No, yeah. so I think he's used the word Chinky. People have taken offence at that, mm. and he's probably been scrubbed from the, the Chinese internet. And that's you're cutting out 1.4 billion fans right there. So I just... Yes. And, you know, China, they get very funny about things, don't they? If you say, oh, I'm going on a holiday to the country of Taiwan, you know, you have to then issue an apology and people get really upset about that. And, you know, if you say that, you know, the president looks like Winnie the Pooh, then there's a whole thing around that. So they've got very thin skins, I think, the Chinese Uh, government. government, Yes, yes. very, very thin skins. So I think that when Chingy sort of said, you know, why are your eyes so chinky, they probably would have got very offended. Sorry, before (laughs) before I go on, is it okay to say... For, for me to say the word chinky in, in quote marks. Oh, look. It's Referring fine. to Chingy's Yeah, lyrics. you're quoting the song. I am. I'm just, I mean, he's the I'm, one who called himself Chingy for crying. Yeah, so I'm a, bit, I'm a bit worried that I may have overstepped a mark. But the point is that I think that, yeah, he was going far. Hmm. But I think by using this sort of language, which is obviously a derogatory term, it has very you know serious connotations hmm. towards Asian people. And I think that his career was halted there because he hasn't done much since. Yeah, so far the extra R in the song title is not turning out to be a mark of quality. No, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, uh, what did you make of this actual song as opposed uh, to do? It sucks. Uh, it's a piano ballad. It's pretty boring, um, and I doubt that yeah. she really plays this anymore. Definitely, piano ballads seem to be the fucking flavour of the year. They do. Year. I can heavens. tell you why it sucks, though, because it was written by Linda Perry from Four Non Blondes. Ah, uh, yes. So she's popped up again. She yeah. wrote that trash heap for Pink a few God, weeks ago, yes. and she's this done this. So. Linda Perry, the self-described hard rock outlaw who wrote for Gwen Stefani, Kelly Osbourne, Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, and Celine Dion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently is somehow too cool for that. I'm not sure how that math works, but yeah, that probably explains, as you say, you know. Yeah, the, the message of the song effectively, we're beautiful in every way and words can't bring us down. It was a song about bullying, harassment, you know, partially on the internet, even at that time. So, you know, internet harassment and bullying Mm. has been happening since the internet was effectively invented. I guess it's just that it took Facebook to, you know, (laughs) to perfect the monetization of bullying on Mm. the internet, but Mm, really honed in on those 12 year olds, (laughs) get started early. Exactly. So, yeah, so I understand this, you know, what the song's trying to say, but it is also very difficult when someone that's saying to you, we're all beautiful in every way, is someone that is quite an attractive person. So Yes, definitely. Um, stripped of her um, terracotta-coloured spray can, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I mean, that, I, I mean not just, it's not just creepy to point out that Christina Aguilera is very attractive. Like, the marketing for her first album was just gigantic close-ups of her face. Oh, yeah. You know, like, you know, her sort of flawless 18-year-old skin and stuff like that. So for then your next album to have a big hit with saying, oh, look, we're all We're all beautiful, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, sort of like Lady Gaga or a decade later, it's pretty easy to mock an attractive white person telling other middle-class white people that they're fine. Yeah. Not to mention that it's a bit sort of, girl, you look better without makeup type thing. But like the sort of weird anti-drug message of the 80s, 
you can't argue with real people saying that these things made their lives better and yeah. helped them through dark times. You know, like when you're listening to a podcast reviewing Belgian golden shower fetish magazines of the late 70s and they read an email from a guy who says, hey, this podcast really helped me get over the death of my only child. I mean, who do we to argue with that, Ben? No one's paying him to say that. He just, you know, he wrote that letter to, you know, Belgian showers slash golden dot fetish (laughs) dot slash 8chan slash Jordan Peterson on its own, you know. Art works in mysterious ways. It does. It does. People get a lot of... You know, if, if if some rich person who's very attractive saying, look, you know, we're all fine, helps, yep. you know, helps yeah. people with online bullying, then good for them. Exactly, look. And uh, the video itself was directed by uh, Jonas Ackerland, who we've spoken about yes. before, who's done 200,000 yeah. music videos, all good. Um he decided to dial back the come to Thailand to bang underage girls angle of the previous <laughs> video. And instead, the video included trans and homosexual individuals, which back in 2003 must have been light years ahead yes. of this time. So very, it's a very inclusive song, I think, in terms of, yeah, obviously talking about bullying, harassment for all people. So these are sort of themes that, you know, fast forward a decade, people were still talking about. Yeah. Even today, people are still... That was, that would have been uh, reasonably controversial at the time. Yeah, 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 I like our old mate Jonas Ackland again. This was, in case you don't know, this was the guy who started out in Bathory, directed Pussy for Ramstein and also Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. (laughs) Yes. Not to mention, yeah. I mean, the video earned Aguilera and Jonas a GLAAD Media Award for its positive portrayal of gay and transgender people. Uh, I believe the video for Smack My Bitch Up also won a GLAAD Award for its portrayal of lesbians, (laughs) (laughs) which he also directed. So, you know, he's two for two there. He is absolutely right. Um, The Smack My Bitch Up video is a much better video than this one. Um, (laughs) I will say that, but that's okay. So, look, apparently when she recorded the song, she recorded it in tears, thinking about some of the past abuse that she'd suffered and wanted to do a retake that was, uh, you know, she didn't think it was technically proficient enough. She wanted something, but she was convinced to use the raw take because it was more emotional. So one take, walks in, does the song, in tears, pumps it out, one and done. So the dude who mixed the song said it was one of the most honest vocal performances he's ever heard. And, you know, that's quite refreshing in this era of auto-tune bullshit where people yeah. can't sing. Because Christina, the other thing about Christina is that she actually has a good voice. And yes. she can actually sing, she... which is a novelty in pop music around yeah. this time. I mean, it took her a few... It took her a while, up until kind of this point even, I would say, possibly later, to shake off the kind of, you know, Britney Spears hanger-on sort of image that she had, not helped by those as I said, giant posters. Um, and was she a mouseketeer or something as well? Probably? Yeah, she was one of those. And um, But, yeah, this really... Uh, what I was going to say was, compared to Britney from this era, she's definitely a better singer. Than yeah. Britney, like, you know, yeah. Absolutely. So, look, she won a Grammy for this song and the Grammys were shitting themselves when she received the award as she was wearing a very revealing outfit at the Grammys. <laughs> and at this time, it was only a few weeks earlier than this that uh, Janet Jackson's famous cans oh, out okay. of the Super Bowl incident occurred. So, I think people, any sort of TV with outfits that were slightly revealing. If Justin Timberlake was anywhere near people, they just sort of <laughs> ushered him off to the side. They were afraid that something was going to happen and there was going to be a bit of a, 
<laughs> you know, a can out type scenario. Sure. So anyway, but look, uh, Christina to this day still has 20 million Spotify listeners. Wow. So that's a lot. So she's still yeah. hammering it out. People love this 20 years on. You can pick this up for 19 cents on the Discogs, which is about what these CD singles that they've made 100 billion of sort of sell for. What about the lyrics? Um, well, Dutiful has been widely embraced as an anthem by the LGBT community for its message of self-empowerment and inner beauty. Uh, as said, it won a GLAAD award. Um, in 2011, UK LGBT rights organisation Stonewall made Dutiful the most empowering song of the previous decade for gay, lesbian and bisexual people. Nice. Which is, you know, I mean, obviously, it's raining men came second. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's more sort of gen- general than that. Uh, to all your friends, you're delirious, so consumed in all your doom, trying hard to fill the emptiness, the piece is gone, left the puzzle undone, is that the way it is? You are beautiful, no matter what they say, words can bring you down, I know, because you're beautiful in every single way. It might be a nice sentiment, but nobody is beautiful in every single way, Ben, let's face it. <laughs> That's true. Even Sophia Vergara lays the accent on a bit thick, and I've heard from reliable inside source that when you get right up close, you can totally tell that Channing Tatum is just a bunch of beavers in a trench coat. <laughs> exactly. He's not a real person. That, I've always said that. Yeah, that's he, why he never appears in Blu-ray, because nah. when you get the HD, you can see up close. That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a bit too much wriggling going on. Why is it that all of Channing Tatum's films are released straight to VHS? <laughs> why is that? That's right. That's we know. Right. Um, so that's good. So this song is, uh, yeah, vote, so a glad... 2011, they said. Yes, yeah, it became a gay anthem, even though, like you say, I mean, the video presents that a little yep. bit, but really the song is just a general message of, like a lot of Lady Gaga's latest stuff, just, you know, you'll find how you are, you know. Yeah. People say you're full of shit and fuck them. Yeah. Which is good. Exactly right, exactly. But good the thing is, Tom, the, the, the problem that, as you mentioned, was that this song never had to compete with a good cock these days is hard to find because no, that's true. They, that was never released. That's but if true. that had or have been, even existed, <laughs> if that had have, if that had have existed and been released, yes. where would that debate that's be? We true. don't know. Fergal Sharkley could have entered that sort of you know the the debate, the story, I guess, about that. But he mm. didn't do it. It's his loss. Well, so boom, you know. boom. Let's go back to my room as well. I understand. Paul the carcass. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. He's definitely in the equation. I mm. think with that one. I'm so. still waiting for the carcass sound to come back. The carcass. I'm waiting for the carcass story. I think that's <laughs> sort of we've seen a Motley Crue <laughs> biopic. We've seen NWA. Certainly seems to think, be interesting. I think a Lukakis morally story. dubious life. He's a pop star, he's a model, um, he's HIV positive exactly. while working as a gigolo. It's all kind of, it's, it sounds like just an unhindered thrill ride, Tom, that I think, and it's the soundtrack is right there. Just That's boom, right. boom, let's go back to my room. And there's on the title of the movie. Yeah, there? exactly, exactly. So look, uh, I'll talk to Netflix, send them so an email, see what they're sure. up to. So Okay, so who's up next then? Um, up next for two weeks is Delta Goodrum with Lost Without You. Uh, speaking of piano ballads... Look, this sucks too. I think um, what I've learned is that Delta has run a run a very sort of similar theme through all of her material, which is a piano ballad. They all sort of blur in. I've list, I listened to all of them. I couldn't say yes. I've listened to them for the best part of well since they probably came out. And even at the time, I wouldn't have actively listened to them. I would have just been on 
you know, in a shop or on Neighbours or some bullshit. But I yeah. listen to them all. They sort of all blend into each other. Very, very similar. Uh, I'm not sure who listens to this. And I think the question, the answer is, uh, in 2022, the answer to that is almost no one. Because mm. this is the biggest, one of the, as we revealed last week, one of the biggest selling albums in Australia from an Australian artist yes. of all time. Yes. Yet she only has 800,000 Spotify listeners a month. And to put that in comparison, we'll learn later on in the podcast. Some that's sort of the same number as some dog shit dudes. So yeah, I mean, she's an exclusively Australian phenomenon. That's really. true. She she had almost like I think the Kylie has like twenty million Spotify listeners. Yes, Delta was got, a big hit in the UK. Yeah, as well. that's true. De- Delta didn't even really crack the UK. I don't think. Well, I mean, she was on Neighbours though, and, and yeah. the UK UK people love that. I shit. mean, her last that song last year that we talked about that yeah. that had a little bit of overseas play, but I mean, I think that was just a you know diminishing returns with this stuff. Yeah, no but, doubt. But like you say, I mean, she was huge in Australia. I can't deny that. And as you say, as as we talked about last week. The reason that she's so stuck in this mode, I think, was because they tried... They gave her one shot at... Um, Britney-style pop. Yeah, at being a sort of poppier, high-energy kind of thing. Didn't and it work. didn't work. Dramatically, didn't work at all. And so then this was an immediate success. So if that happens with an unimaginative record company like all of the ones in Australia, <laughs> then it's going to be... They're just going to play that shit till it dies. You know, yeah. So, you know. No, look, exactly. I completely agree. Look... This is better than Born to Try, I think, this song. I feel like it was... I, I like this one a little bit more than Born to Try. But that's like saying David Bowie's work on the Labyrinth soundtrack where he duets with a puppet is better than his drum and bass period. <laughs> so, faint praise, Tom. Sure, faint praise. I actually quite liked his drum and bass period, but then I met Massive Door. Um, <laughs> How does it compare to the puppet duets from the Labyrinth? Oh, look. Uh, it's not dance, as good as magic, the dance, Laughing magic. Gnome song. Yeah. <laughs> that's his career highlight, I think. <laughs> Um, look, yeah, Lost Without You, the title is every bit as exciting as the song. This is a cover, actually, of a song performed by JC Velasquez and created by Matthew Gerard, Bridget Bennett, Nate, songwriting team, mm. who together have been song for artists including Hannah Montana and Hilary Duff. Ah. Oh. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> they really are diversified. Um, yeah. But look, this sucks, but it is in the past. So I guess the question is not what was Delta doing, but what is she doing? So Delta announced sort of, uh, I think, probably about a year or so ago that she's living in a music bubble. She's working on her sixth studio album. Um, So, you know, she's probably grown as an artist. Mate, she's probably not just doing exclusive piano ballads anymore. I'm sure there's some other stuff in the mix. So 12 months in that bubble working hard day and night just trying to tease some more material out and you know a year later we were able to see the fruits of her labor with uh only santa knows her first christmas album (laughs) so she's really put the hard yards in there to Mm. come out with something that everyone needs so what does only santa know then that's a good question what what does what does santa know that no one else knows i'm not sure sort of uh, he probably knows how to get to every household in the world in a sort of 24-hour <laughs> period, I guess. True. Only through reindeer power. So, look, yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I think when you're saying you're in a music bubble, you're working as hard as you've ever worked, I'm spending 12 months on this, and you pump out a bullshit Christmas album, then I don't really know. Yeah. Don't really know. 
Neither only Santa knows. Only Santa knows, yep. exactly. So, look, I will say this, though. If her next album is entitled The Delta Variant, then I'd consider that a missed opportunity. <laughs> I really true. would. She's really got a limited time to cash in on that. Yeah, People oh, for sure. already starting to forget the Delta forget Variant. the Delta Variant, exactly. <laughs> Unless she changes her surname to Omicron or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I feel bad for all those rap metal artists that yep. have done a Delta <laughs> Variant album and then people will be like, what That's are you talking true. about? So... Um, does this have any lyrical highlights? Um, well, for a song with such an uninspiring, some might say brain-dead title, mm. the lyrics reveal a surprising wealth of ambiguity and subtext. Uh, all I know is I'm lost without you, I'm not gonna lie, how am I gonna be strong without you, I need you by my side. If we ever say we'd never be together and we ended with goodbye, I don't know what I'd do. I'm lost without you. I keep trying to find my way, yeah, but all I know is I'm lost without you. I keep trying to face the day, but all I find is I'm lost without your love. I keep trying to find my way, and all I know is that I'm lost without you. Oh, I'm lost without you. 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 Now, can you help me figure out what she's trying to say there, Ben? Because, frankly, I'm a bit lost without you. Look... I, I don't know what, what she's trying to say there. I feel like it's um, something to do with Santa, um, <laughs> which I think she'll probably... I think, you know, this it asks a lot of questions and I think those questions mm. are answered six albums later in the Christmas album. But yeah, just from reading those lyrics, I couldn't tell that they're very varied and there's a lot happening there. So probably have to read between the lines. A lot I of suppose, metaphor, a lot of similes. Yes, to be fair, I can't blame that one on Delta. And I suppose, depressingly, as things will keep rolling on, at least she wrote most of this album. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. at least this is actually written by a human being who can play an actual instrument and sing with her own voice hole um, and some of her own lyrics, you know. And that's the thing, I guess, Tom. The fact yeah. that this was the biggest selling or one of the biggest selling Australian albums by an Australian artist of all time and she wrote the songs means that though she pocketed a lot of that cash. Yeah. You're not writing your own songs. You know, that goes to the songwriters, some yes. of those royalties. So the fact that she performed this herself, wrote the songs herself, she probably made more money off this album than she ever needs. So she can probably just go and churn out bullshit and it really doesn't matter. So. Yeah. Good on so it. good on her for that. So, uh, yeah. No, no credit where credit's due. So sure. definitely. Um, speaking of authenticity, what's up next? <laughs> uh, tattoo. All the things she said for two weeks. Tattoo, you mean T... T-A... T, T period, A period, T period, U period, yes. Do you think tattoo would get cancelled these days for fake lesbian bullshit? Do you think people would be mm. like, this isn't real... Yeah. You're done? It's one of those weird questions, isn't it? Yeah. I, I'm sure people would tie themselves in knots arguing about this shit on Twitter. At the well, time, that's the thing. everyone just thought it was fucking tacky as fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, are you drawing attention to, you know, sort of, I guess, gay issues and equality by doing yes. this but then when the whole thing is fabricated <laughs> does that make it okay yeah when you're doing it for the purpose of trying to shift <laughs> records but you're also you know yes. drawing attention to serious issues from, from during this same bad fashion period the 95 to 2005 a whole lot of shit uh flew under got uh you know let off the hook under the guise of raising awareness you could do just about anything uh, for if it was qualified as raising awareness. Um, yeah. You know, if you got caught exposing yourself to children in a public park, 
Uh, you could probably be let off if you said that you were raising awareness of sexually transmitted diseases in that you also had chlamydia true, at the yeah. time. You know, it was pretty much... You didn't actually have to do anything about the thing that you were raising yeah, awareness of. You just had to mention it in some context that other people would then be forced to hear about it. And well, so you could probably get away... Back in these days, you, they probably got away with raising awareness of the gay... You know, issues facing teens, despite the fact that they weren't actually gay. Yeah, look, it was, and had nothing <laughs> to say about the issues at all in any way, and were cashing in on it and profiting on yeah, it, much it, the same way that Kim Kardashian is raising awareness of her own tits by taking photos <laughs> of them in a mirror and posting it on Instagram to get money. Yeah, you know. very much so. Look, it's safe to say that tattoo was a high wire act. I'm not sure they were able to pull it off. Uh, difficult, but they were Russian. They didn't. They shit. were. Look, the whole thing <laughs> is whack as hell. But you know, I guess you know when the marketing gimmick is, oh, they're lesbians. Then the yeah. only way that that can succeed as a marketing gimmick is if there's some sort of controversy in that in itself. So, yeah. and by that I mean, as a society, we go, oh, there's some elements yes. of society that still find that to be shocking. So yeah. even in 2003, the whole oh, I'm a lesbian, how edgy is that? How interesting does that make me think was a bit old by that point, you know? Yeah, oh, of course. The yeah. days of, oh, look, there's going to be a, two girls almost making out on Ellie McBeal tonight had, tonight had been and gone as a rating spike. Yeah. This was already pretty tired at the time. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, but that said, you know, titillation goes a long way in sales yeah. terms and it went a long way for these people, you know? Yeah, look, they were only 17 when this was released in the English-speaking yeah. market, so that might have been the controversy. You can't really blame sort of... them about that. Yes, that's true as well. That was They were controversial even in Russia, even by Russian standards at the time, because Russia still now takes a fairly dis- disapproving view of homosexuality. <laughs> yes. was worse 20 years ago, and the fact that they were underage as well, and, you know, that was sort of the whole appeal of them was, you know was fairly controversial so obviously the people who came up with it went oh controversy we're on to a good thing let's get this overseas as quickly as we can yeah oh definitely and look it's clear for my mind that if there was a girl duo today in 2022 that said oh we're also lesbians no one would give a flying fuck so we've clearly moved on in the last two decades you need need another element like implied uh, incest Veronica style or I don't know one of them would have to have a black eye and accuse the other one of domestic violence or something if you wanted to get on the TV with that now but yeah Yeah. I know what you mean young pop stars are attracted to each other would not be enough to get you moved on MTV yeah. exactly look tattoo is an abbreviation of a Russian phrase meaning this girl loves that girl the whole concept of a group built around fake teen lesbianism which you know it's a wild idea when you think about it that some middle aged men formed a fake teen lesbian duo to exploit them for money yeah you were you know so because yeah. when you think of these groups the, the teenagers are getting the young people are getting exploited anyway whether it's the Backstreet yes. Boys you know even big names like that in the sense that you're empl- you're, you tend to be an employee of a manager someone else comes in and writes all the songs yeah. you're not getting any of the, the songwriting royalties you're up there performing you're probably getting paid not that well you yeah. know a lot of these people are, are touring the whole year round you know not making that much money despite the fact they are famous so then with Tattoo you throw in the extra element of 
we're keeping all the cash. Yeah. Oh, and you have to pretend to be in a relationship yes. as well. Oh, yes. And on your live tours, you also have to strip as well. Yeah. Oh, and if you could make out a bit, that would be great. Yes. So the you whole thing was, was completely nuts when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, this is the point where 21st century sex positivity still looks a shitload like old-fashioned 20th century exploitation of underage girls. Yeah. Um, if Lena Katina and Julia Volkova had actually been a couple, that would be one thing, but they weren't even gay for fuck's sake. I mean, sure, it's probably a step up from appearing in Russian porn pretending to be gay, yeah. but then you don't usually do that in front of half a billion people at the MTV Awards, you yeah. know, permanently <laughs> edited into the cultural consciousness of the world forever. Yeah. Yeah. But what I will say is that this is actually quite a good song. I think it's, it's, catchy. it's catchy. Yeah. And But yeah, that's what I mean. Well, I think we've just come off the back of two piss-weak, dog-shit piano ballads. So, yeah. you know, anything will look good to that. It has but an energy to it. It does it have an energy. It has a sense of energy. And that's because that was uh, the song was written by Trevor Horn, the man oh, yeah. who wrote Video Cure the Radio Star <laughs> for a start and also worked on Frankie Goes to Hollywood's debut album, including uh, yeah. all those... Hits so relax. He produced that. So he's you know when it comes to things with dubious sexual content, yeah. he's all over that. So well, good work. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I was I saw something the other day about relax, uh, and apparently the band recorded it, and Trevor Horn, the producer, was just like none of you guys are any good. So he just re-recorded the whole thing, <laughs> did it basically the whole thing himself, and then the band members were like, oh, we're not act involved in this at all. And he was like, yeah, sorry about that. You're just too shit. So look, you know, it's all good. Good on them. Well, it worked well for Tattoo as well. So yeah, <laughs> definitely. So I th- also recall that I think the world, well, maybe not the world, but certainly um, probably in Russia and some other countries, went into another meltdown when they performed at Eurovision and held hands. Yeah, so. this is what I mean. Like on some levels, 2003 seems Quite recent. Yeah. And other times it seems like we have gone through a few. They're holding since hands at Eurovision. Yeah, like ah. my, my favourite, along those same lines, my favourite tattoo moment was when they performed the less successful follow-up uh, Not Gonna Get Us at the MTV Music Awards. Did yeah. you see that one? No. Did you see that one at the time? It was only, I think it was only the year after this. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, Per, you know, the controversy about the holding hands. Prurient speculation was at a height because MTV always tries to do something controversial. You know, they always try to outdo the last person. Plus, it usually backfires, making them and the artist look like fuckwits, but then everybody else gets to pretend to be outraged, which is the main thing in America. So, yeah. Also, back before Checks Watch, about 8.30 this morning, America wasn't super chill about same-sex teenage makeouts on live TV. So there were plenty that could have gone wrong, and they said, well, are they going to make out? They've already held hands. What's going to happen? So anyway, Tattoo are introduced by Hilary Duff and Amanda Bynes, so shit's off to a good start (laughs) already. Uh, Music kicks off. Tattoo starts singing in the aisles as they approach the stage through the audience and are then followed by at least 200 young dancers dressed in the kind of gear Harvey Weinstein thinks a schoolgirl uniform looks like. (laughs) Uh, They fill up the whole stage and all the aisles and dance around while the girls sing at the front of the stage uh, until what you could sort of charitably call the breakdown of the song, at which point every dancer whips off their 
short schoolgirl skirt and throws it into the crowd. So now you have a couple of hundred young, <laughs> a couple of hundred young women in their underpants, and then the song ends. The lead singers haven't kissed each other, so Rupert Murdoch doesn't have to rewrite tomorrow's front pages. But every single dancer then starts making out with the dance to next to them over the last bars of the song as the camera pulls away to show the sort of orgiastic pseudo-lesbian <laughs> throng surrounding the main singers who haven't actually made out with each other. Fantastic. And then, uh, just to round it off, there's my favourite cutaway right at the end. It's a shot of Puff Daddy jumping on his feet, chair knocked over, arms above his head, waving half a dozen skirts in each hand, looking like he's just seen God's vagina up close. I'm 100% sure he's crying, although experts couldn't confirm that because he is, it goes without saying, wearing sunglasses indoors. <laughs> it goes without saying. <laughs> he just looks like he's having the time of his fucking life. I don't even know. He must have like fought other people for those skirts. I'm sure he's got them framed at home somewhere. Oh, it's no like doubt. the best night of his whole life, I think that was. Look, he's a music memorabilia fan, he's, <laughs> he's P. Diddy, so no doubt he has those frames somewhere in his house, you know, along with his, you know, Grammys and all that other yeah. shit around. I so mean, it's fantastic. So they get credit for that that bit of entertainment, if nothing yeah. else. But yeah, I'm sure they had nothing to do with <laughs> organising that, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. America's a weird country, isn't it? That's <laughs> do, right. It's I strange, isn't it? We can't have two performers on stage make out who are 17, but we can have 200 people who are 19 make out around them yep. because you don't know what their names are in their underpants. That's fine. Yep. Yeah. Is that is it what happens when you have a society where people are both um, seem to be very religious? <laughs> yep combined with some sort of bizarre look at me yes. showmanship element yep. so you end up with <laughs> in some ways America seems very sex positive but then when you do that then there's always an immediate backlash by the 50% of the population that yes. still thinks that it's 1812 and it's like ah yes. god and much yeah. like in Japan the, you end up with this society where titillation becomes very highly valued yeah. because there's a lot that you can't show in certain segments which makes the idea of hinting at it becomes much more you know it becomes a whole industry in itself i mean the entire cheerleading thing like yeah, for exactly. instance yep. this idea of a highly sexualized thing which is then completely pretend you know pretending it has nothing to do with sex and it's just this healthy normal thing you know yeah. it's all very weird and like the yeah what you can show what's worse is what you can't show you know you yeah, can't show, you know, Janet Jackson's boob for 0.5 of a second. But exactly. You can have 200 almost naked people kissing each other on stage. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, look, what I was glad to see was that uh, they pulled Tattoo out to perform at the opening ceremony of the Sochi Winter Olympics back in 2014. Oh, okay. Just to prove that they weren't in a gulag, I think. So, because I hadn't seen them for some time. You say that, although their last album was titled Waste Management. Oh, so, I hope no. that wasn't a hint about their forthcoming employment options in Putin's Russia. Yikes. Yeah, yeah. we don't know. They then, still in, Are they still alive and well? I well, hope so. I mean, if you piss off the management in Russia, I guess you're lucky if your last album's not called Radioactive Government Breakfast. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they're still alive for Sochi, I guess that's something. Yeah, that's true. Look, I should point out that both members of Tattoo featured in Maxim's Russia's Top 100 Sexiest Girls issue. I'm not so, going to ask. Not just one, but two. Underage or not. Um, it, was, it was post... <laughs> 
It was a bit later on in the yeah. career, so I believe they were over the age of 18 at that time. In but yeah. case anyone gets too nostalgic about the death of print media, it is worth noting that, holy fuck, there were a lot of shithouse magazines around. Yeah, there was, wasn't <laughs> well, there? Well, for example, another one. In July 2002, Blender praised Tattoo by saying, we have seen the future of rock and roll. To say you've never or heard anything... You've never or... Never seen or heard anything quite like it is a colossal understatement. And Tattoo were then heralded by The Fates magazine as the hottest pop stars in the world right now. Mm. Both of those statements were made by people whose opinions you were not merely expected to listen to, but actually pay for in the form of a mashed up tree that you looked at and then threw away. I mean, really, let's not get too nostalgic for the era of 15 different kinds of men's magazine. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There's... They've all died by the wayside. I don't know. There's. I don't know if there's any left in Australia. Probably not. Like, did Ralph? Don't think survive. But I'm sure in the UK there's still about eight because they love that shit over there. So. Well, presumably all those people are just reading the chive online now. But at least you don't have to cut down large forests to produce the chive. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, look, what's the legacy of tattoo? I don't really know. Hmm. Were they? I think now people probably just look back at it as being some fake bullshit that was a bit yeah and weird. Yeah, it seems like it. I mean, even at the time, it seemed fairly obviously exploitative. Yep. But for a, there was a. I remember there was a brief period where people thought that they were actually a couple. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the song was voted number one in a readers' poll of top 50 lesbian songs on oh, AfterEllen.com, okay. <laughs> although clearly the editors hated it. I don't imagine their opinions changed much after Julia from the band got pregnant in 2014 and said she wouldn't support a gay son. <laughs> yeah. uh, say what you like about Russians, Ben, but can you ever accuse them of fucking around? Not because really, no. I put it to you that you can't. No, straight to the point. Very much so. You may not agree with them, but you've got to respect them for, for <laughs> staying right. the course. So. Definitely, look. So they've still got six million listeners. So they're obviously on some sort of best of the early 2000s they had at least four shit. albums in yep. Russia so it's possible that they're they probably still, still massive have in Russia, fan yeah. base there absolutely yeah. and this will cost you 26 cents on Discogs so go pick yourself up a copy are there any lyrical highlights uh, well five <laughs> people put it through my head put it through my head <laughs> just remember that yeah that's pretty much it five people have claimed responsibility for this song and none of them are Lena and Julia ah. So credit really needs to go to the co-producer, Alina Kuyper, who went on the gas at the dentist and had a dream about kissing a girl, a dream I once had but gave up on a while ago. Uh, <laughs> that gave the half-written song that she'd been working on already with her songwriting partner about the usual naff teenage, we're in love but the world doesn't understand us bollocks, the pronoun swap it needed to force the singers to strip off and make out on tour and push the song into the popular consciousness. Without that, you've just got four choruses that sound exactly like this. All the things she said, all the things she said, running through my head, running through my head, running through my head, all the things she said, all the things she said, running through my head, running through my head, all the things she said, repeat until nauseous. And if it's just a teenage boy and a teenage girl singing that, who gives a fuck? You certainly are not going to be headlining the MTV Awards in another country on the strength of that shit. Yeah, Absolutely They've right. got to be pseudo-lesbians for that to work. Yeah, look, indeed. Uh, I don't know whether we'll hear much more from Tattoo in this podcast <laughs> or just in general life ever again. Well, Who I knows? was hoping waste management might pop up again. But yeah. yeah, definitely. One can only hope. 
So up next for five weeks is one of my favourites, uh, 50 Cent Into Club. Oh yeah, that was huge. Now this oh, is boy. red hot. Let me just say that you can find me in the club. So oh, that's I sick. can find you in you the club. You can find me in that's the club. Good. I think that's. I think they're sick lyrics because it's sort of just like, where can you find me? So I'll be in the club. I'm just always in the club. That's true. Just hanging out, hanging out. Now. The, most people know the 50 Cent story, I guess. So he was signed to a record label, got shot a few times. I think he'd recorded an album, got oh, a few, okay. copped a few bullets. The record label were a bit like, oh, you know, this, this doesn't seem a good situation <laughs> to have someone who's sort of involved in. I think when he was younger, he was, he's talked about being actively involved in the drug trade and, and the gangster. Sure, he, he, was yes. a, he was a legitimate sort and of drug dealer. Getting shot gangster. nine times inside a parked car is one of the, dumb, <laughs> one of the OHSA hazards of being a crack dealer, I understand. Exactly. So that happened, you know, his record contract, the album didn't come out, but then he released, I think, a, a mixtape after that. Caught the attention of like Eminem yeah. and Dr. Dre, those sorts of guys. And then, yeah, they sort of obviously went on to be, you know, the big star that he is. But so this is, this is I think, his, one of his first singles that he released. But just before this single was released for, mm-hmm. for his big album that came out after that, 50 Cent, he had a song on the 8 Mile soundtrack. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was, it was actually the second single off the soundtrack to be released after that Eminem hit that we talked about before. Yep. So that was his uh, first single to chart in the US. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of where he got his beginnings through that sort of out eight mile sort of thing. So the song is about um, wannabe gangsters because, you know, he, sure. he was like a real gangster and sort of wanting to write a song yeah. about wannabe gangsters. So the, the, the title combined wannabe and gangster. And I know what you're thinking, Wangster sure. is not a great name for a song. As, look, you know, wang is sort of slang for dick, so wangster mm. sort of has a bad connotation. But don't worry, uh, 50 Cent was able to avoid the dick connotation by titling the song Wankster, <laughs> which has no other connotation whatsoever. So, mission accomplished there. Sure. I don't yes. know. It's, it's great, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> by pure coincidence, wankster was what I'd already been yelling out of car windows at white guys in cross colours jeans doing pimp limps down the street from where they caught a bullet in the South Olveston projects for <laughs> yeah. years uh, earlier. So that was convenient when yeah, yeah, exactly. that song. Look, I'm just glad that, that he just went, yeah, wankster's not a good wankster, <laughs> though. That's that's totally fine. He claimed that he didn't know that, that wank was like sure. a, a... I mean, word. it works either way. It does yep. work either way. I, I find it interesting that he... 50 Cent was discovered by... I mean, Eminem was discovered by Dr. Dre, obviously. And then 50 Cent was discovered by Eminem. And I also find it interesting that they were both about the same age. They both led difficult lives, but also both what attracted them to people partly was their sense of humour. And they started off being quite witty and keen to just give shit to other people. A lot of of 50 Cent's early stuff was just disses and just him paying out people randomly that because you know when you're not on a label you can do whatever the fuck you like yep. but on his mixtapes and stuff but then as soon as they got popular then they immediately had wanted to sort of double down on being not just serious but kind of over serious it's though they were both trying to overcompensate for yep. the fact that they had released kind of semi-jokey songs at first and you know yeah i don't think 50 cent cracked a smile for a, until the 
you know, the end of 2017. Like it yeah, just, exactly. He's overly serious with his brooding, like, look at yeah, this. Like, it just, in his public image was just so dour and everything, you know. It's yep. just weird. I don't know. Exactly. Anyway. The video for this implies that 50 Cent was created in a lab <laughs> uh, by Dr. Dre and Eminem himself. So I'm not sure how much of this is true. I don't know. Perhaps we can start an investigative podcast to determine if 50 Cent is a cyborg or grown <laughs> from stem cells because in the video, I think they're both wearing lab coats and yes. they're sort of in there and they're going, oh, and then 50 Cent pops up and he's like... So he's still kind of jokey. They're still being a little bit... They're jokey. being a bit wacky, yeah, definitely, yeah. but not super wacky. I'm so. uh, not sure if they built him in a lab, but he certainly did look a bit like if you took Nelly and managed to clone a version of what Nelly sees when he looks in the mirror... E.g. a straight up cold faced gangster who's super jacked and can get away with a do-rag under a hat instead of for instance a slightly base head looking dork with a pedo moustache and a band-aid on his (laughs) noggin which is what the rest of the world sees when they look at Nelly (laughs) yeah yeah that's the thing like 50 Cent in this, he does look hard. He does look like someone that could oh, hell fuck yeah. you up. Like oh, he absolutely. Look, he like looks a genuinely like, serious. Yeah, if you dude. bought drugs off him, you would not try and rip him off. I no, he does look like a badass, so I would totally give him that. Uh, the song starts off with the, class, the, the classic lyric, Tom. Shorty, it's your birthday, gonna party like it's your birthday. So everyone knows that from the start of this song. Yes. Uh, and that's borrowed from a 1994 song performed by Luther Campbell, who's a member of one of my favourite groups, Two live crew <laughs> sure. who's popped that coochie featured in my favourite music videos of the <laughs> 90s and I believe 50 Cent said quote every day it's someone's birthday so it never loses its relevance you can't argue with that can you well weirdly he does argue with that in the next <laughs> line of the song where he says yo we don't give a fuck it's not your birthday Jeez. which is slightly undermining his own argument damn. there God like damn. if you don't care then why pretend anyway but yes, I agree. The Miami-based DJ song "Birthday Jam" that this is lifted from is a fucking banger. Yeah, oh yeah. And would get any dance floor pumping to this day. I tell you what. Sure, it does sound a bit more like 1984 than 1994, <laughs> but that just tells you that a dance floor filler is a timeless thing, Ben. I reckon you, you know. And this is a dance floor filler, and it still gets played. It's you know, just oh, you don't absolutely. you don't even need to hear. This kicks off before the, the vocals have even started. Just as soon as you hear that dude. It's like a Michael Jackson song or something. Yeah, just, absolutely. You know, people just start Gets you cranking. It was running a big club, for the yeah. dance floor. Yeah, definitely. As you can imagine, it got played in nightclubs like Eminem, places yep. where EDM places where you wouldn't even think this yep. would go. They would just have a, a remix with a you know 120 BPMs thanks to DJ Sammy behind it, and they still play. <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah, apparently some DJs would be forced to play this twice in a row to meet demand. <laughs> people just wanted it that much. But it yeah, see, if you don't play this twice, you're going to have drunk. Uh, hens night God. screaming at you all evening so you might as well just play, play it in the club play that one and woo he's in the club so I saw 50 Cent on Cribs uh, Tom <laughs> several years ago now and he bought Mike Tyson's old mansion ah. and let me just say it was fucking nuts it had like eight kitchens or something like that and 50 Cent was touring like sort of showing around the house yep. and just literally saying I've never been in this room before I've never been in this kitchen wow. this oven has never been used before so I always find those mansions where it's sort of I understand having several bathrooms that's fair enough but I don't really know why six kitchens are necessary it's so. weird isn't it but yeah look it was pretty good he hadn't been into a lot of those rooms uh, and he had a nightclub in the basement which wow. was sick so yeah sure uh, I mean that is fucking nuts he bought that house 
apparently, just from the earnings from this one song. Oh, sweet. That was after Eminem had already signed him for a million. Yep. Uh, yeah, but just this one song was enough to get him that fucking six-kitchen mansion. So yeah, that yeah. shows you how fucking massive this was. And he must have got a good deal as well. I like to imagine that Dr. Dre gave Eminem a good deal, so Eminem gave fucking I think so. Deal. I think yeah. so. You know, passing it on, so to speak. Yeah. Every, everyone can make some money in the music business if you're not a complete mm. fuckwit. And even and fucking 50 Cent brought up his mates, that those G-Unit, those three other dickheads that he hung out with. Yeah. They, you know, like Eminem did with D12 as well. They were like his old... Some of his old posse, he sort of got them on the radio too, you know? It's kind of Yeah, cool. exactly. And I guess that's the thing. If you recognise talent and you're signing good artists, then you should be able to make money in that sort of ecosystem. Whereas the major labels just play that sort of, you know, scattergun, let's just throw yeah. everything at the wall. And then you have artists sort of, you know, the big sellers of the day that end up having to subsidise you know, your bare naked ladies or something like that because <laughs> they've right. signed them to a 12 album yeah. deal and given them all this money. And then after a one hit wonder, it's just like, oh, we're losing a lot of money off that. But fortunately, yeah. we've got that Radiohead cash that we can That's use to right. sort of do that. So it's just one big artist paying for the 20 pieces of shit that yeah. sort of come along. Whereas, so they, these guys were ahead of their time, but they were onto a good model moving into the next millennium. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, absolutely. Because the 90s, the 80s, 90s music industry is. They're on the way out now. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, that giant entropic, wasteful money steamroller model is just going down. It's going yeah. down like Maxim magazine, buddy. <laughs> in flames <laughs> no into doubt. the gutter and no one gives a fuck. So 50 Cent had a heap of other top 10 hits, but this is his only number one in Australia. So we won't get to talk about him anymore on the podcast, unfortunately. So I think this is probably a good time for me to mention that in 2014, <laughs> you could purchase his uh, album Animal Ambition with Bitcoin, mm -hmm. which in 2014 was like a pretty yeah. you know, crazy idea. Uh, so he was the first artist to do that. He was the first artist that allowed people to use cryptocurrency to buy his album. And at the time, one Bitcoin was worth about $600, but it's now worth 100 times that. Wow. So he made 600, 700 Bitcoins from the sale of the album, which is now worth about uh, $40 million. <laughs> so I hope he held on to that. But then he subsequently, so he came out and went, yeah, I've got those Bitcoins. <laughs> And then he'd forgot about them. And then yep. he went, oh, I've got a heap of money. But then he had to deny he had them because he went bankrupt at some stage. Oh, so okay. he was like, oh, remember how I said I've got all those Bitcoins? I don't have those. Sure. So, yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting <laughs> that he had to backflip on that. But I think purportedly he's got some cash squirreled away somewhere. So it's good. Uh, are you a fan of his acting work, Tom? Um, I tend to forget that he was an actor, but he did pop up in a few things, didn't he? Oh, for sure. My, fa like my favourite role of his is uh, he plays a computer hacker in the Sylvester Stallone vehicle Escape Plan. Okay. There's, a, there's the Escape Plan trilogy. I don't think I've seen any of that trilogy. Um, remember the Shawshank Redemption? Yes. Where one of the people in the Shawshank Redemption broke out of the prison yep. remember that or remember uh, <laughs> Fortress with Christopher Lambert where he had to break out of the prison ah uh, I see or Prison Break the TV series <laughs> where someone had, this, is, this is the same mm -hmm. thing Sylvester Stallone I believe they're always convicted of something that they never did they always do that so he's Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> in the prison Arnie's in there this oh, is okay. after his governor shit's oh, run out okay. so Arnie's back and then they try and break out of the prison and 50 Cent plays a computer hacker who's going to somehow okay. hack into the mainframe and take down the security system. Was this a sort of expendable 
uh, prequel type thing. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that, but it certainly it was Stallone, sort of late later period Stallone. But they turned it into. I watched the first one; it was fucking woeful. Uh, but it obviously made enough money mm. where they were, decided to churn out two more. It had that sort of vibe of we can probably make this for about five mil, and then we'll be able to yeah. put it on streaming like, services, yeah. Yeah. and we can make ten mil. So we make enough to sort of keep going. So, yeah, yeah, not so good, but um, fifty cent great turn as the, yes. the hacker. He's been in a few other things, little bit roles like that. He also featured in several video games, oh, good. including uh, Fifty Cent Bulletproof and Fifty Cent Blood on the Sand, oh. where he defeats Al Qaeda by accident while trying to retrieve a diamond encrusted skull stolen by terrorists after payment for a gig. <laughs> At a pe- an event so common, people found it boring and didn't buy enough copies to get a sequel. Unfortunately, Jeez. was it a first person shooter? Uh, is it a? It was a third person shooter oh, where he did all the voice work uh, yeah. for all the cutscenes, which means that you get to hear him call random women bitches about 400,000 times just during random gameplay. Nice. So that's an authentic element that I'm glad they kept in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, good, good. Well, it's good to see that they went for third person shooter because I would have been <laughs> disappointed if they had have just rehashed Parappa the Rapper from uh, PlayStation <laughs> 1. The, uh, the rapping, actually... just 50 cent, where you had to hammer the triangle button to make the dude rap. So. I was uh, I was a fan of, oh God, what was it? Back to the Streets. Something colon Back to the Street was a game where it was... Um, it was like a two. It was like a Street Fighter Two style fighting game. Yep. Uh, except starring only hip hop guys. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> weirdly kind of <laughs> was like a sort of WWF game, but with rappers in it. Yes, good. but with just rappers. I'm not sure what the fuck that was about, but. Uh, yeah, sorry, Def Jam. Oh, good. Yes. All the Def Jam artists in it. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, and some other ones. And, you know, you could unlock Vanilla Ice or something like <laughs> <Excellent>. that. <laughs> Look, there's a storied history, I think, of rapping video games. The one you just mentioned there about Def Jam, 50 Cent, obviously, in that game that he had. Let's not forget Criss Cross, Make My Video on Sega CD, where you got to edit that sure. Criss Cross video Let's together. Let's not Shark Fu, where side-scrolling <laughs> SNES-era uh, Shaquille O'Neal-based sort of shooting fighting games yeah Shaquille O'Neal definitely yeah Shaq Fu was fantastic and of course people are saying but Tom wasn't he a basketball player but we forget that he was also a rapper so he did all he did all the stuff basketball rapping video games Mm. acting he was in uh, Shazam The one that, That's yeah, right, that yeah. may or may not exist, <laughs> may in which reality we're inhabiting at the moment. Yeah, in the alternate reality, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, sh- I think Shaq's in our reality, in the alternate reality. Yeah, it's, um, Sinbad. Sinbad, correct. Star, yeah. Exactly, so, um, so look, 50 cent, 20 million Spotify listeners, mm. and you can buy this for two cents, which is a deal. Go pick one up, it's good to have that physical copy. Just think, if the internet ever goes down, uh, Spotify's out of action. You're going to need a few CDs stashed away to play, and I think this would get you pumped up. So. How, how many million did you say? 20 million wow. on, on uh, Spotify, so it's a lot. So. What are the lyrical highlights of this, apart from, you know, Shorty, It's Your Birthday, which obviously... Yeah, not counting Shorty, It's Your Birthday. Uh, here's the only four bars I could find that didn't have the N-word in Oh, them. yeah, okay. I'm fully focused, man, my money on my mind, got to mill out the deal, and I'm still on the grind. Now, Shorty said she feeling my style, she feeling my flow. 
her girlfriend with her, they buy and they're ready to go. Ooh. Now, I know that sounds hot, but I don't want to disappoint you, Ben, but after he bones those two strangers, it does unfortunately turn out that they have ulterior motives and are only after Mr. Scent for his money. Oh, no. Fortunately, he realises this in time to kick them to the curb where they belong and next time have sex with your girlfriend instead. So, I can only hope she's a woman of solid virtues and the whole sorry cycle doesn't continue. <laughs> One would hope so, certainly. This is uh, just off the top of my head that brings me to uh, Tom's top five rap lyric cell phones oh good uh, one women only have sex with them because the women want their money yep two their main source of income is a loose stable of street walking prostitutes mm-hmm. yep three they can't so much as hit up hungry jacks without 20 of their mates for protection yep Four, the coolest thing to do after earning a million bucks is hang out in a fucking strip club. Yes. Official home to society's cuckedest pissheads and most tinier-smelling carpets. <laughs> and five, that you spent 950 grand bedazzling your kitchen appliances with real diamonds because Kanye West sang about buying a golden toaster and needed to be taken down a peg. Yes. So, right. you know, I'm not sure why they brag about those things, but they've been bragging about them since hip hop the hip the hip to the hip they have, yeah exactly um, yes so you know keep it going I say it's it's worth a laugh yeah definitely um, and also wearing Gucci they like to sing about that a lot as well in, I mean, in the rap songs yes, in the rappers which is you know frankly currently being advertised by Jared Leto so I'm not sure why you'd be <laughs> bragging about wearing Gucci but which is why I respect the Wu-Tang Clan I always have they just went fuck that we're making our own clothing company <laughs> and we're right. gonna have a song where we just talk yeah. about wear. Just advertising, so I mean, power to that. I'm going to write, as part of my hip-hop group, uh, I've taken inspiration from um, Chingy, I'm going to call myself Dago. Uh, <laughs> and my first song is about how uh, women have sex with me because they don't want their money, don't <laughs> want my money because I'm, you know, I'm good at having sex with them. That's what I'm going to brag about, but you yeah. know, call me crazy. It's a crazy concept, but I think it might just work. So um, what clothing will you be promoting in your songs? <laughs> 26 uh, red, cross colours. A sensible range of casuals from Kmart. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. Affordable family bargains. I'll be promoting Kim Kardashian shapewear <laughs> in my hip-hop group, so, um, yeah, watch out for that. So It is good from a feminist perspective that she got a new generation of women to start wearing Victorian corsetry again. <laughs> yeah, you know? Absolutely I right. thought that that was used as a joke, mostly in... Uh, comedy period pieces but apparently we're back to that again so that's that's good good to see forward thinking um, and yeah promoting I guess uh, all shapes and sizes Mm. as long as you've got some it'd be nice to see some women fainting again doesn't happen enough didn't happen enough absolutely cool alright up next Justin Timberlake rock your body one week ah yes Speaking of bangers, that's absolutely, this is a good song. Look, who who would have thought that mid tier in uh, you know NSYNC member Justin Timberlake? Because I think that at the time I don't really know whether he was one of the big yeah. big guys of NSYNC. You know, know, Lance Bass, everyone loved that. Joey Fatone, I think you know he was sort of mid tier, but went solo back in two thousand three and has proven to be the most successful of his former bandmates. Yeah. Although. I did see Lance Bass <laughs> as a guest star on a Tiffany Amber Thiessen cooking show once. <laughs> sure. So he's still working. He's still doing great work yes. out there. Also, uh, Joey Fatone was a regular on the criminally underwatched uh, The Jack and Triumph show, which is one of the best sitcoms that nobody's ever seen in America. Good. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. He really is like the American Robbie Williams. He really kind of. Was. They both sort of took off around this period. In fact... I think Robbie gets a point there because I reckon 
Justin Timberlake got a big boost up from being attached to Britney. Oh, no because doubt. Because when they were together, he was definitely the Jason to her Kylie no doubt. at that point. She was the biggest star, and I reckon he got massive tabloid exposure and some awesome uh, quadruple denim outfits out of that yeah, era. And I reckon sure. that booted him up the chain, you know? Oh, no doubt. Look, uh, this is the point where people started to take him a bit more seriously as opposed to the kind of, you know, white rap... <laughs> Britney hanger on boyfriend you know that he had been previously yes correct uh, I mean just metaphorically in this video he's shaved his frosted tips he off he has yep he's got know, rid of that much yeah. the way uh, George Michael burnt his jacket from uh, <laughs> Wham then in the next video went oh I really like that jacket and sport another jacket wearing the same one again yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> when he, in the faith video he's got <laughs> yeah it's funny how George Michael was wearing that leather jacket in the real early Wham stuff and then he went I'm changing my image and then you fast forward like five years and it's just like fuck it's actually one, a sick look the one with Aretha where he's got a fucking um, <laughs> denim and leather jacket but it's bedazzled yeah that's sick that's <laughs> I mean that's truly that was just a guy who uh, was putting a hat on a hat on a hat there but for sure look I completely agree look so the debut single from Justin Timberlake Like I Love You another great song I mm. like that one that's pretty good but this one's a lot better that only hit the top 10 uh, yeah this was a this went all the way. Hit. Yeah, again so, this went to the clubs yeah well, definitely so, this yeah. was a catchy number it was written by the Neptune so that doesn't yes, surprise me yes this was me. when they were taking off too Pharrell was on a fucking rocket Pharrell, at this point absolutely and, yeah, totally they, on a roll at this point he's still going strong but I think this was that period where people would be like that's a catchy song and then you'd look who wrote it and say oh it's a Neptune so Pharrell's involved again so this was offered to Michael Jackson who rejected it and several other songs that ended up on Justin Timberlake's debut album Neptune's Pharrell wrote some songs put them to MJ went don't want any part of that so a couple of those ended up on the debut and this one yeah boom straight to number one good times at this point in time I think the only man more heavily influenced by Michael Jackson than Justin Timberlake was the late Corey Feldman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know he's not actually dead, but there's a few weeks lag before these episodes come out, so it's probably <laughs> better safe than sorry. But yeah, as you say, the Neptunes offered Mike Jackson several other songs along with this for his 10th album, Invincible, but mm. he rejected them all. Uh, so what's your favourite track off Invincible, Ben? Oh, uh, look, um, it has to be... It's probably this... Or, Like I Love You, as I mentioned, the first one. I, I like those ones. Cry Me a River, I Take It, Take I mean, It or Leave uh, It. Oh, Engine, sorry. Song off, uh, Invincible by Michael Jackson, oh, the album that Jesus. this was not good enough for. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard it. Uh, mine's probably track 14, The Lost Children, which features <laughs> lyrics. When you lay me down sleeping and my heart is weeping, it's because I'm keeping a place for all the lost children. Fucking hell. So, yeah, unfortunately... Was that used in court as, like, evidence <laughs> against him? Did they sort of yeah, dive in there I and go... I think so. Yeah. was Article 4,821 of today's <laughs> evidence. Holy shit beans, yeah. So, what was the video for this So, the one? video for this featured what at the time must have been $6 million in coloured lights, but you could now get for about 40 bucks. Yes. Same situation, was it, with that Kylie video last yes. week? Where it was like an LED Can't setup. Can't come up with anything. No, no. So, he's in like a cube. I think he's in yeah. like a cube, all LED lights. Looks pretty cool, actually. Very cool yes. video. I was going to say, just in case you thought I was joking in previous 
previous episodes about how fucking Hype Williams directed every other hip-hop video in the 90s. Yep. This is 2003 now. We're years out. We've got a white boy trying for some hip-hop credibility, and this video, which is directed by Francis Lawrence, looks exactly like a Hype Williams video. Oh, okay. It's got weird close-ups, fisheye lens, overhead cameras... The entire thing takes place inside a light-up cube, etc. that's rotating. That guy just left a legacy, like, for years yeah. afterwards. Cool. Um, yeah, but, um, yes, like you say, it does have a touch of that Kylie thing of, like, well, what are we going to do? Fuck, all right, well, how much coloured lights can we afford with this amount of money? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can, yep. can we cover this entire interior surface of this cube with coloured lights? We could go to Kmart now with probably a 100 bucks and get... The, the quantity yes. of lights that were used in this, I'd say, and just and rig it up and do the same. I think if you had a big LED set up today in a music video, people would just be like, nah, man, that's not cool. <laughs> no one gives a shit. We've got to do more. No one that. gives a shit at all. At least it is, you know, environmentally conscious because they do use less electricity, yes. the LEDs. But the focus is on his dancing, like, yep. around this time. Him and, like, Jamiroquai and stuff, they were, like, you know, they were considered to be good dancers, yeah, in this style, well enough to focus a video on that sort of thing. So yeah, one thing I did forget about this Tom is that it has a whack as fuck beatbox part halfway through the song. <laughs> yes, I'd forgotten that. That's as well. just it's longer than I remember. It goes song. for a really yeah. long time. Yeah. So apparently that's only in the music video version. The single oh, okay. version and the album version has like a little bit of beatboxing, yeah. but in the music video bit, there's a real long part. It goes for about yes. a minute of and they, JT beatboxing is fucking video, terrible. Because like I said, because it features a lot of close-ups, you can sort of see him doing the mouth noises with his mouth, which is mm. not a good look, <laughs> even for really... There's a reason why good beatboxers cover their mouth up with their hands while they're doing it. Because exactly. you look fucking ridiculous. It does, yeah. It looks <laughs> stupid. So that sucked. I don't know why the shit they wanted to keep that in there. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. So it does feature the lyric, uh, going to get you naked by the end of this song, which mm, is optimistic. That is a bold claim. It is uh, a very bold I'm claim. I'm bringing sexy back, perhaps. Yep. But promising voluntary dance floor nudity en masse might not be something even 50 Cent would claim that he yeah. could do. Unless JT is a stage hypnotist of some sort who could also get you acting like a chicken by the end of the song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. Maybe that was part of his early career in the Mouseketeers or whatever the fuck. For sure, was. doing some sort of low-level hypnotism type mm. stuff to do stuff. You're yeah. getting very sleepy. Now take your clothes off by the end of this song. Yep. Now, now listen to me beatboxing and tell me it sounds <laughs> random. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it sound just like a machine? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Timberlake performed this as we alluded to yes, earlier he performed famously. this at the Super Bowl and after singing the uh, Get You Naked by the end of this song part clawed off Janet Jackson's top revealing a single breast in what was probably the most controversial wardrobe <laughs> malfunction to ever happen in America in the history of time. Yes. Not just wardrobe malfunction, it seemed like this was the most controversial thing that had ever happened in America. Yeah, they do love it. I mean, America couldn't believe it had been forced to witness 0.5 seconds of a distant woman's half-covered boob. Yeah. The following three hours of military fetish porn, glorified traumatic brain injury and opioid commercials were almost <laughs> ruined for many people, so they complained in their millions and the term wardrobe malfunction was added was born, to the yeah. fuckwit lexicon of you know what was becoming the new millennium's unfortunate penchant for fucking taking stupid shit off social media and turning it into commonly used phrases <laughs> yes fortunately i'm sure we'll get sick of that probably <laughs> after i'm dead yeah i hope so hopefully and i'm sure if you look in the oxford english dictionary now there's an entry for fucking wardrobe malfunction <laughs> yes it's just this 
is it just a, it's some just, bullshit? Yeah, because Oxford wanted to get their name into the fucking media that year. Yeah, exactly. What so new terms been added to the dictionary? Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to believe that. I mean, I understand that the Super Bowl is very big and a lot of people are watching, but it is hard to believe that people just didn't go. Ah, oh, that was an accident. Exactly. That's not probably what they intended and yes. then move on. Why was that worse than 200 women making out behind fake Russian underage lesbians? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know. Uh, yeah. Because I guess were people sort of implying that, oh, it was an intentional thing just to try and draw attention. Oh, like, it was definitely intentional. But even then, like, what was it really? was like a half-covered boob glimpsed at a distance. Of, I'm not joking about half a second. People timed it. It was, I think it's nine sixteenths of a second yep. that was visible for on television. And when I say visible, I mean yeah, visible yeah. if you really rewound it over and over and over again so you could get fully angry about it before you complained. To, fully, to see, you'd have to spend time... Yes. It's pausing it. Yes, exactly. Yep. It taps into that exact American prurience thing you were talking about before where you're simultaneously appalled by people's sexuality and obsessed with it yep. in equal measure. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Look, uh, JT has 23 million listeners on Spotify. doesn't surprise me. 71 cents for this no. on the Discogs. What are the, what are the lyrical highlights that Pharrell uh, probably penned yeah. As you said, for MJ? Written by Pharrell for MJ. Uh, well into his post-pedophile period. Yes, so I guess well Pharrell post-pedophile. wasn't too fussed about that. Well, uh, I'm glad that um, MJ rejected it because if Michael had have sung this song, we, this would have been on our band list because it's post-pedophile. Yes. I remember thinking of this song at the time. Jesus Christ, this guy is super influenced by Michael Jackson, yep. which makes a lot more sense now that, now that you know that he sort of wrote it for him. But, yeah. but I mean... Right now, he would fit in fine with people like Bruno Mars and The Weeknd, who sound, even at this stage, still just as influenced as he was. Yep. At least Justin Timberlake had the excuse that Michael Jackson was still alive and occasionally on the radio. Yeah, exactly. You know? Anyway, uh, so yeah, lyrically, uh, he does a back and forth with Vasquez uh, in the chorus. There's this sort of boy-girl thing. Uh, her, talk to me, boy him no disrespect I don't mean no harm talk Mm. to me boy can't wait to have you in my arms talk to me boy hurry up because you're taking too long talk to me boy bet I'll have you naked by the end of this song and she's like Uh, ooh really and then he starts beatboxing she's like that's fucking (laughs) unlikely now I'm out of here you're going to beatbox for five minutes I'm gone (laughs) also he's promising to rip someone's clothes off in public respectful as promised in the first line of that and also what is she taking too long to do do you think get him a Maduri illusion from the bar yeah and what does she want him to talk to her on the dance floor about most of the times I've been seeing people talking on the dance floor it goes like this what I said, why is everything so sticky? What? I think that guy with bum fluff spilled his illusion. (laughs) What? So, yeah, it didn't really go... It wasn't quite so elegant. And nobody got naked by the end of the song. They got naked when they went home and realised their entire outfit was covered in Midori illusion. Yeah, exactly. And it smelt like 400 packets of cigarettes (laughs) had been inhaled directly through through the fabric. Yeah, anyway, exactly. That's enough about JT. Uh, what's what's next? Oh, uh, Tom, moving up next a change is a uh, change. Yeah, the very dramatic gear change. Um, Effa, <laughs> Evanescence, <laughs> Evanescence featuring Paul McCoy 
bring me to life. If only if it had been Evanescence featuring the real McCoy. The real McCoy, that would be. Might have been good. fucking onto something. Another night, another dream. <laughs> Rock and roll is alive and well, Tom. Uh, uh, yes. Look. I mean, say what you like, this does at least, unlike every other song so far this year, have like a guitar. It's got a guitar in it. Yeah, in it. Exactly. Although it is, uh, per whatever the fuck is happening in 2003, it is still far too piano ballady for it's, my liking. A piano, this is a piano ballad, it's, basically, it's, yeah. with, with some rock guitars I mean, in there. Fucking so. hell. From Nirvana to this in 10 short years. Yeah. I mean, I suppose to strike a positive note on a tiny, tiny piano with Kmart skull stickers on it. You could say that this is the beginning of emo, which was a genre at least largely disconnected from grunge. So at least at last we are sort of officially out of range of the grunge ripoff era. You know, the the post and then post-post and then post-post grunge stuff. So this is a guitar, metal-ish influenced rock song, sort of, but it has nothing to do with grunge. There's not a touch of grunge in this at all. It's something else. It doesn't look like grunge, doesn't sound like grunge. It's a yeah, it's a whole different thing. So at least that's something, you know. This is like second wave like new metal probably. Like this is basically like a poor man's yeah, version. But it of does of... have a bit of goth in it as well. It's got a tiny bit of sort of that sort of Avril Lavigne Kmart punk in it not punk but I mean yeah. like the look you know the kind of you know the, the 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 piercings and eyeshadow and stuff you know goth punk thing You're which right, is the, kind of what emo was it was like shopping mall goth punk well that's what this is yeah. yeah yeah I think when in America people use the term mall goth a lot more than oh yeah do well there you go yeah. sort of what, what you're getting at yeah exactly look Evanescence sounds a bit too much like Schweppervescence for me, so <laughs> I always it's hard to say. I find it does. Um, Look, yeah. this was uh, Schweppervescence's debut single yeah. and breakout song, uh, helped by its inclusion on which soundtrack? Oh. This is our only movie song of the year, so I might as well get this one in. I'll give you a hint. It's an amazing uh, movie that went on that was well ahead of the. The Marvel's later dominance of the superhero movie genre. Uh, the Punisher? No, it was Daredevil. <laughs> Daredevil. So you knew it was going to be good because it was in Daredevil. Uh, <laughs> this went to number one in Italy, Australia, and the UK. Fantastic. Somehow and reached the top five in Germany, Canada, and the US in the spring of 2003. Yep. Uh, let me ask you this on a slightly different note. What mm. was your favourite emo joke, Ben? There were a lot of them going around at this time. I don't know if I can recall any. I'd probably wipe them from my memory. <laughs> what, have you got one? Uh, did you hear about the emo lawn? Oh, it cut itself? Yeah, that's right. Good. Yes, They're I very think good. the joke's heavily featuring uh, cutting, suicidal and... ideation and <laughs> self-mutilation and so forth would probably not play as well uh, now as they did back at the time. No, probably not. The Look, idea of suicidal teenagers was a lot funnier in 2003. Barely. Possibly as a reaction to everyone having to go through the grunge era and people were just happy to make jokes about it. Yeah. Look, did this song bring you to life, Tom? <laughs> did it? Uh, I'd say it brought me to life about as much as watching Daredevil at the cinemas yeah. and paying full price for a ticket. <laughs> yeah. What the, the song title is Bring Me to Life. Should it is it meant to be Bring Me Back to Life or what's I know Bring Me to Life makes weird, no sense. Is that what she meant? 
mean, who the fuck knows what she means? I mean, when it's like, bring me to life, I'm sort of, uh, I've got no idea <laughs> whether they're missing a word well, from the title. Right. Or I mean, it's sort of, it, it kind of suggests a sort of what existed before the Big Bang type thing where how are you writing a song asking someone to bring you to life if you're not existing beforehand? Yeah. What state are you in? It's an interesting existential question. It is a very very much so, and I think that's what it was written about. It sort of, it does sort of raise those issues of how can someone who's not alive yet ask mm. to be brought to life correct? And and that most people that anyone that has children life. also know that, you know, they can't speak you know, at birth. Yes. It takes some time for Which, that to happen. This is so. kind of getting into early Metallica reading too much HP Lovecraft territory, <laughs> yeah, no Which doubt. is a far more interesting area than anything in this actual song. Yeah, oh for sure. Look the it is pretty boring. Does feature the classic Wake Me Up Inside. Wake, yes. wake me Can't up. Wake me up inside. Can't wake up. Uh, you know, so that's sort of, sort of the yes. chorus that's in there. Oh, this is the bit. Can't this is what you mean up. about new metal. Yeah, that bit does sort of suggest. And he does like some sort of, sort of shitty, yeah. weak sort of rapping bit, I think, later yes. on as well. So it's sort of, it's real watered so down new metal. How did they end up with that guy? Well, it's, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's just him just saying, can't wake up. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't the, really fit with the vibe of the yeah. band. Like so the, the Morgoth thing doesn't really suggest that either. Well, the dude that does the cut, can't wake up, he's not even in the band. So oh. he was brought in on the track. The, the recording label thought that the song needed a dude doing backing vocals because they were just like, we can't just have a song with a woman singing, so we need oh, to get... Okay. So they got this guy, and I'm not sure why they couldn't have just got the bass player or someone else in the band to just go, can't wake up, and just use that, because the dude that's doing it is just basically saying, yes. can't wake up, which is sort of a bit shit <laughs> as it is. So, look, he's just saying that in an, sort of in that American new metal talk-sing voice. Yeah. So, so this is the guest vocals from Paul McCoy of the band 12 Stones, who no one's ever heard of. Mm. Uh, and imagine that was your claim to fame. Yeah, bro, I did the can't wake up on, on the effervescent song, Bring Me Back to Life. And people just go, oh, cool, man. Awesome. Cool, cool. Is it meant, meant to be Bring Me Back to Life? He's like, fuck, I don't know. I was in the studio for 15 minutes and just kept saying, can't wake up, won't wake up. So he was originally uncredited in America, uh, which is not a bad move. He was probably like, I don't want my name anywhere fucking near yes. this thing in case it bombs. But then it blew up, became quite successful, and he demanded a credit so that he could use it to promote his dog shit other band by going on the <laughs> yeah if you love if you love the guy that goes can't wake up then come and check out 12 stone because it's just me mm. going won't wake up can't wake up all the time so which is pretty shit so yeah yes but um, in the video he does also stop the actual singer of the band from falling off like the top of a, a building so yeah. Uh, yes. so he catches her so he saved her life sure Bro, uh, some may say <laughs> he brought her to life well yes yes I guess that the, still doesn't uh, even makes work. makes no sense. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. What if I fell off a building, you caught me, and then you bring me to life? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Can't wait, girl. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's weird. what I'm in for, yeah. What a weird thing. There's, there are a lot of weird echoes of this and the last song for this year, which we'll get to later on, in the way this worked out. But I get the feeling... I'm not sure if... See, I was too... I should have looked that up, but... Uh, I don't know. I think maybe this was their first record... The second record. I should fucking look that up. After Wind Up Records insisted the group bring on a full-time rapper and oh. the band refused, as you said, they went home assuming they no longer had a record deal. However, the label contacted them again and a compromise was met. 
a song, one song would feature a guest rapper and that was Bring Me To Life, as you said. Yep. Why the fuck anyone would associate this style of music with rap is a question best answered by another question, perhaps, uh, that being who the fuck are wind-up records. <laughs> That's <a very> good <laughs> it's question. the only context I've ever heard them in. But I think probably the answer, not to that question, but to the previous question, was because, like you said, new metal was big around this time, which I had kind of forgotten about because it doesn't really appear in the charts. No. It was mainstream, but not that... Not as mainstream as Evanescence. Like you said, this is kind of about as close as it gets to the number one they territory. Got, yeah, as the, as the bands progress through that era, any sort of... Uh, look, I mean, new metal's tied to actual metal is very tenuous to begin <laughs> with, but once you sort of, I think, the bands... Yeah, you've got sort of bands that are like... Crazy Town has a hit with Butterfly <laughs> doing their rapping bit. Yeah. And then there's Limp Biscuit who have got like, you know, whatever, you know, smash yeah, breaking. They, I don't even know if they got to No, them, they right? didn't. But I think, you know, they were getting more popular. So I guess that the record labels are like, oh, you got guitars in that. Let's get a rapper on board. Yeah. And then you can just play that so slightly. I mean, it a, was a number one, so yeah. maybe they were onto something. They probably like, were, yeah. Look, it's sort of, it's pretty yeah. shit though. Heavy oh, use no, of piano on this. it doesn't work at all, really. Uh, the I'm thankful. response thing is dubious at best. Yeah, look, I mean, the piano is a terrible instrument. Let's, <laughs> let's face it. The keyboard... The synthesizer, they're great, but the piano as an instrument is a bit of a waste I, of time. It's too one-dimensional. I don't mind the piano in rock music, but I think it really has to fit, and the piano ballad is boring as fuck. Yeah. I, the piano ballad makes me long for the power ballad, which at yep. least had power. a fucking crescendo to it, you know, yep. or something like that. Or just a straight-up old-fashioned ballad where you really let the singer go fucking bonkers, but then the person has to be able to sing really well yep. and not be some dog shit rapper that no one's ever heard yeah. of. Yeah, look, I... Even I, if you do save the lead singer from a building, okay, dude, yeah. that's not good enough to justify this shit. Look, I did listen to this on YouTube, so maybe the sound quality wasn't the best, but the guitar sounded like ass on this. I thought they yeah, sounded they real, really, real bad, that sort of fake, super processed, yeah, not very good. And there's like really two notes. They really her voice and yeah. the, the And there's like shit. two notes. Notes in the whole thing. Yeah. It's terrible. So, look, uh, the members did meet at a Christian camp. So, that <laughs> sort of tells us everything we need to know about yeah. this. Yeah. Now, I totally understand how that would make you want to rebel and start a rock band. Yep. But if the rock band ends up being Evanescence, it suggests to me that maybe you weren't molested hard enough. Oh, look. I, uh, yeah. On behalf of the AFL, I'd like to formally apologise for that last joke, Ben. Uh, I believe cancelable comments follow the five-second rule oh, of yeah. dropping toast on the floor. That's right, isn't it? That's correct. You just, just apologise immediately. People are like, that's okay. So, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, look, like you say, this is the beginning of a very bad time for pop fans who like music with instruments in it, especially Brits. In the UK, this was the last guitar-driven chart topper to stay at number one for four weeks until 2021, oh. when Olivia Rodrigo's third single, Good, the number four, you accomplished the same thing 18 years later. Oh, I remember seeing a uh, pop charts, year, annual, you know, number yep. one hit chart from the UK uh, from, you know, the sort of a few years after this. And I remember seeing that there were, out of the top 100 songs of the year, there were two songs on it that could be classified as guitar rock. Yep. Not even metal, but rock. One of them was fucking Drops of Jupiter by oh, Train. Really and one of them was Journey being covered by the cast of Glee oh, good. in the TV show Glee. And everything else on there was 
either hip hop, crappy dance music, or cheesy electro, or piano ballads, or bad various other things. So if you like guitar stuff, you know, it's You're in like for a bad it was like the world was compensating for having listened to a decade of male guitar-oriented rock grunge-type alternative shit and then was just going, nah, we want this other stuff instead. It's time everyone else had a go. So, yeah. Of course. and, and what I'm that... not saying that's necessarily bad. It's just, you know, this is about as rocky as it was going to get in the charts. For in the charts, yeah, exactly. This is the time where if you want guitar music, you're going to have to do a little bit of your own work. You're not yes. just going to turn on the... Go outside the fucking Aries. <laughs> go outside, yeah. just go check out, you know, it's easier these days because you can just, you know pop onto your Spotify and put in the genre or whatever and I'm sure they'll fill you in with whatever songs you need but yeah so it's all good in terms of uh, yeah the ability to find rock songs thanks to the algorithm but uh, you're not <laughs> going to find them on the ARIA charts yes. for, for much longer so this is their only number one song fortunately so we don't have to talk about these guys ever again but they had a few more top ten hits the follow up to this song My Immortal is pretty much just a straight boring piano ballad yeah. and then there's like guitars for like the last minute so it yeah. sort of comes in but the and rest of that at that point just... you're wishing where was that fucking rap guy <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. where's like, I can't wake up I mean if you'd never heard new metal or anything you might have heard this on the charts in the mainstream sense and gone this is kind of an interesting sound like they've kind of got this goth thing they've got this weird rapper guy I wonder what he's doing in the band that seems like a weird coincidence <laughs> yeah. but then the subsequent singles by them you would just go oh each one of these is less interesting than the last and all of their songs sound exactly like this same fucking song which again is another theme of this entire year which we'll be coming back to repeatedly later on so yes let's move on so we've got time to see that uh what are they doing on spotify these days eight million so that's a yeah, lot. that's not bad. And they make 62 cents. You can buy that that's for, surprising. which is okay. Um, I should point out that Amy Lee, the vocalist, she's the only original member left, so everyone else realised how whack this was oh, and just it went away. Paul so, McCoy yeah. didn't hang around. No, he didn't hang around. So I don't know what's going on with 12 Stone I these he's days. he's touring with the real McCoy. Yeah, I, like to <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Lyrics? Um, how can you see into my eyes like open doors, leading you down into my core where I've become so numb? Without a soul, my spirit's sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home. Now, Lee claims this was about a relationship, but I think we can both agree that this is clearly a stealth Christian song designed <laughs> to reach out to kids who might have been led astray by the Satan-peddling sex cult antics of your pink or your Avril Lavigne yep. and bring them back into the safe, godly hands of a band like Schwepp of Essence. Sorry, Evanescence. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know, they were doing the Lord's work in the dullest way possible. They were, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to imagine a song more boring. Um, the only, I think the only interesting bit is the Wake Me Up part and that's because it's so fucking stupid the only interesting thing I ever found out about Evanescence was that uh, the lead singer proudly said that she made all her own clothes that were featured in all of the videos Hmm. and she did have a look and that look could be described as uh, bought a bunch of ballet costumes and fed them through a shredder (laughs) so yeah and also just in case you've ever wondered in a not at all ironic way Evanescence uh, the definition is noun, the quality of being fleeting or vanishing quickly. <laughs> Impermanence. <laughs> so, yes. If only that was true of the band, Tom, <laughs> if only. So, the, so when she says she makes her own clothes, was it sort of a bit of a, um, a ready-made art thing where people just glued a bicycle, to, you know, sort of that I think that, that was thing. part of her whole, you know, you know I'm an independent spirit, you know. That but if she's just of... taken a ridge, other clothes that she's, <laughs> and then just, you know... St- 
Making your own clothes doesn't mm. involve buying a pair of jeans and then sewing a fucking <laughs> patch onto it. That's not making your own clothes. No, that's true. So, you know, I think that by if she's just bought pre-existing <laughs> dresses and then just shredded them... Then oh, no, I was that, saying that's what that's it what looks like, like. But, yeah. you know, who knows? Maybe really she nice. was inspired. Cool, all right. Moving on next is uh, Delta again. Fuck me. She's just everywhere this year. Um, Innocent Eyes, the title track... From the album Innocent Eyes. Mm. This also sucks. Um, what have you got for me, Tom? I've well, got nothing. As you said, this is the title track from the million selling debut album Innocent Eyes. It was produced by our old mate Glenn Wheatley. Oh. The man who sold his house to bankroll John Farnham's Whispering Jack album. And, and he, he died, died on Wednesday. Did he? Yes, aged 74. Glenn played bass in the Masters Apprentices, who yep. were a huge Melbourne pub rock band a long time ago, but was inspired to get into music management after the band played a packed 7,000-seat venue and were paid 200 bucks. Wow. When the tickets were five bucks each. So, of course, in memoirs, this sort of incident is framed as a moment of outrage at the treatment of the humble musician. But the flip side of the coin is that only a certain sort of person looks at legal scams like that and thinks, hmm... Maybe I should move into this area. <laughs> yes. In an unrelated matter, Glenn later spent 10 months in jail for tax fraud. Yeah. Although at least that's 10 months longer than anybody named in the Panama Papers ever served. So, you know. <laughs> Shakira, he did, coming for you. He did the time, at least, for doing the crime. Uh, lyrically, uh, this was co-written by Delta and frequent collab Vince Pazinga, who also wrote for <laughs> Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Chang. Couldn't resist, sorry. I really got to get a drumstick instead of just going boom chang because yeah. I think a lot of people don't know what that means. We can edit, edit I'll have to get JT to beatbox a drumstick, <laughs> drum roll. Um, do you remember when you were seven and the only thing you wanted to do was show your mum that you could play piano? Ten years have passed and the only thing that lasts is that same old song that we played along and made my mum a cry. Now, this is an 18-year-old singing about how she wishes she was seven again. Uh, go do a bucket bong and give a dude a risky lookout for fuck's sake, I would say. Good lord. Fucking Evanescence wouldn't run this bullshit, no. Delta. I can handle an 18-year-old telling me I should go out, get smashed and fuck an 18-year-old. In a pinch, I can handle one whining about how parents don't understand. But I am not down with this world-weary, where have all the good days gone shit from someone who can still see grade 9 in the rearview mirror. Fucking yep. hell. This is a debut album, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And this is another piano ballad, as if we didn't need to fucking whole album's piano it. ballads. It sucks shit. All of it sucks. But yeah, Lord there's almighty. nothing worse than those sort of yeah. Where have all the good days gone when oh, you're like seventeen? Going world like, weariness, know, Christ Almighty. Well, yeah, exactly. World weariness is is pretty bad, and also it's bad yeah. enough from people who are actually world weary. Like it's tedious enough, you know. Oh, it from is. Middle aged white guys like me who've never done anything, but from fucking eighteen year olds who've been signed to a label since they were twelve and haven't left the pages of New Idea magazine, I mean, for Christ's sake. Yeah, that's pretty obnoxious, as is the 16-year-old, oh, you broke my heart and I'll never <laughs> love again type thing. That's true, but at least that is actually how you sometimes feel yeah, at 16. Like, like hating your parents. I mean, hating your parents is laughable, but yeah. I do remember that feeling. But this, oh, I wish I was seven again. I mean, get fucked. Bullshit. Go and stuff. fucking get felt up at a bus stop, for Christ's sake. 
Drink some goon. Go have and, fun. Go, go and drink some goon. Get drunk yeah. in a cemetery at daytime. You're not yeah. at your job. Yeah, go, t- go get drunk in a cemetery <laughs> and then go Call to... in sick to Coles the next day. Exa- yeah, exactly right. Call in sick. Try and find someone, you know, playing a punk show under a bridge <laughs> or something like that That's or in right. an abandoned warehouse. Something like that. That shit must do happen. Do something incredibly dangerous and scare the shit out of your parents. Yeah. That's what yeah. life's for. <laughs> exactly. Get one of those new scooters that they've got around and just drive it straight into the <laughs> Yarrow, do whatever you want. So. Go, I literally died today on one of those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, was, I did that thing. You know, sometimes that thing happens on the news where the start of a story happens and you start laughing before the end of and the story. Like, oh. And then they're like, and he died when he was hit by, like, oh, okay. It's like a, ter- a scooter accident occurred when, because we've only had those lime scooters for, for about like a weeks. week. Yeah. <laughs> Just Someone's so. already died. Yeah. <laughs> God almighty. That's sorry. No sorry, guy who died. I'm not laughing at you. I'm yeah. just laughing at the idea of scooters. Cool. Thanks. Two cents for that. Yeah. So that's okay. yeah, probably about what it deserves, I think. So uh, moving on. Up next. Um, fuck. Where do we even start with this one? R. Kelly Ignition the Remix. <laughs> now. Six geez, weeks. Six, six weeks, weeks of this fucking on. Now, what? R. Kelly's the Jeffrey Epstein of R&B which mm, I guess is not really yeah. what you want your sort of not really <laughs> what you want to be no. known for um, look I will start off by saying that I couldn't find the music video for this song on no, YouTube it's not there so I assume that R. Kelly after his conviction or, his record yeah, label the song is on YouTube but yeah, the official so, music yeah, video the so, pe- just some random dudes have uploaded yeah. the song I think but yeah the the his record label, I this is what I assume, that after R. Kelly's conviction, it was removed along with all of his other music. I couldn't find any official <laughs> video clips no. on there. Now, R. Kelly is a pretty big deal in the sense that, you know, he oh, sold a lot of albums. Star. Huge deal. Stadium so, tours. I mean, yeah, such a big deal. That's probably why he was able to get out of Jay-Z. a child's sex offences decades ago to begin with. Um, mm. So while he was able to still I be on the streets. I believe he so. used the shaggy defence. <laughs> if it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, but we've got videotape of you literally fucking an underage kid. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't me. It wasn't me. And then I believe also... I assume the person involved in the video was paid off. The girl said, oh, that oh, wasn't yes, me either. Oh, yes, no, paid off so, is how this is all worked. So it's pretty weird when it was just like, that girl's definitely 13, and then mm. she went, it's actually not me. It is you. Much so, no, like it's not. So Michael Jackson before sketch. him, the court cases surrounding R. Kelly reveal a disturbing number of parents who are willing to sign off on shit involving their underage children when it yep. involves a lot of money and someone they've seen on the TV. So. Yeah. He was also dating, uh, remember that? Aaliyah. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. She was also and underage. She was about He married 16. her underage with the permission of her parents again. Yep. That's another one. But So it is, it is completely yes. bizarre how people were sort of given this, you know, pass to sort of do things that are highly dubious. And then 20 mm. years later, it's just like, I can't believe this happened. It's like, well, yeah. the warning signs were there out in the open oh, for a long time. Yeah. So look, anyway, the, the point is that Sorry. A lot of sketchy behaviour, but the record label made the, the bold decision, I assume they did, to say, let's take this off. We don't want that on there. You know, we don't want people mm-hmm. streaming this and making money off that. So, you know, power to them, but given that, you know, they could have made a lot of money. His back catalogue uh, has, you know, it's something that I guess record labels think will be able to, you know, monetize this and make money off it forever. Yeah. So, look, I think, you know, credit where credit's due to them for not doing that. Must be the first time in history <laughs> that a record label has put any sort of yeah, common decency it's ahead, rare, of, ahead of I mean, money. they didn't do it 
after the video came out. No, but, no. Yeah, it's good to see them 20 years late exactly. getting on board. So, for example, you can still watch uh, Lost Profits videos on YouTube. So... Were they his side no. project? <laughs> no. Who were Lost Profits? That's another... Lost Profits um, are a kind of hard rock, new metal-ish type band okay. that a few years ago their lead singer was convicted of something terrible oh okay in the same league as R. Kelly yeah but probably worse but the point is that their music videos their record label has said we're going to keep them on there despite the fact that the the lead singer of that band was convicted of some pretty horrendous crimes that I won't discuss on the podcast Um, pretty bad so the, the point that I'm trying to make is that some record labels are like Oh, yeah. This dude's been convicted of some terrible right. shit. Don't yes. worry about it. We can still make some money off that. Complain about cancelling or whatever. It is worth noting that whatever you define that to be, I would call this more corporate legacy management than actual well, that's, moral yeah. cancellation. No, it's not cancelling. YouTube aren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it because they're worried it'll make them look more bad than good to the people who pay advertising on them. Of but course. That this is a, the the idea that you might take or you might stop profiting from a pedophile's outfit once he's been conclusively proved to be a pedophile. It's a very new idea. Yeah. Like nobody after the guy from the Who was busted with a bunch of kiddie porn on his hard drive. Nobody was calling for the Who's music to be removed from record stores. No. That that wasn't even an idea. It was like, oh well, I'm not going to talk to that guy at dinner parties anymore. But I'm not going to stop listening to fucking won't get fooled again. Yeah, you know, it doesn't work like that. Correct. Because apart from anything else, you'd have to get rid of half of the stuff on Spotify. If you start <laughs> you'd with... have to get rid of all the stuff. Yeah, <laughs> some Drug of... users and sexual deviants yeah. off the charts. You're correct. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's difficult to say whether the record label did this for the purposes of doing something that they think is morally correct or you're right whether it's just management of the image of the label but but even even someone like Bill Cosby someone who's truly irredeemably terrible the the idea of then not then not proceeding to profit from his stuff is a new idea and I reckon that's pretty hard to argue that it's bad to do that like you know I mean, and like you say, even if you do want to listen to this fucking music, it's not that you can't listen to it. Of course, yeah. They're going, okay, we're not going to personally profit from it. We're not going to put it on any streaming services. or It's probably still on Spotify. Well, for instance, I tracked the video for this down on Vimeo. Yeah. They've got looser morals on. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's profiting from that. I hope they're not because it looks like washing it through the bottom of a fish tank that hasn't been cleaned for 20 years, but... Uh, the video features no giveaways. It's just a stock standard 2003 video. Half color graded blue, half overexposed white. All the men are wearing 12 layers of truly hideous sportswear. Yep. All the women in miniskirts and definitely not 14 years old. The only truly objectionable thing in the video is R. Kelly's haircut, which is that sort of horrific skull braid thing that looks like somebody gave you cornrows using a power drill and then glued the resulting wire type coils <laughs> onto the outline of your brain using uh, gorilla grip or something but yeah that was really it, it's not even it's not even creepy or interesting in a way it's just a dull 2003 video so yeah, I guess he knew enough to keep the perversion out of the videos so yeah absolutely look I think the the end result of the R. Kelly situation is that he was ultimately convicted and is in prison now it just once and for all confirms that Michael Jackson died at the right time didn't oh 100% because I feel like for that, him uh, yes <laughs> his, him <laughs> and his 
whoever owns the rights to his music that continue because mm. he's never formally been convicted of anything. So people can just go, oh, it's a grey area. It's okay. We can keep on listening to Billie Jean. But look, you know, as we know, yeah. we've we've put that into the very much the the pre-ped and post-ped territory. So we know what songs you can listen to and what songs you can't <laughs> listen to. So sure. we've defined that definitely. But look, R. Kelly apparently never learned to read. Oh, really? So, yeah, from what I understand. He may have later in life, but early on in his career, uh, he had to get other people to read the contracts. He just signed them without... Because he couldn't read. So, or couldn't read to a good enough level to understand the words. So... If you ever meet someone that is illiterate, there's a good chance they're a sexual predator. So do not try and help them out. Don't try and teach them yes. to read as an adult. Just, you know, cut them out of your lives, I think. Illiterate I mean, people are probably the worst offenders yes. out there, I would suggest. At the very least, it means that there's a 100% guarantee they have not read the laws of consent in their local area. Not. Certainly not. No, I agree. Look, if you have a, you know... And I don't, but you you might, Tom, I don't know, and other people out there in the podcast might. If you've got I Believe I Can Fly full back piece, do you try and get that covered up, do you think? If you've got any sort of R. Kelly, you know, the sort of the wings coming coming down your arms, just with I Believe I Can Fly tattooed fully on the back. I suppose you could, God, you could try and get someone to modify it or... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you'd get a tattoo artist to modify it into something without an R. Kelly reference, uh, I guess, or you could just deny that it has, you know, anything to do with, uh, you know, it's just like, I just, I believe we can all fly. It's nothing to do with R. Kelly. Yeah, she could claim to be a big fan of the 1980s bewilderingly successful movie, The Boy Who Could Fly. (laughs) Just exactly (laughs) right. You could just go, yeah, love The Boy Who Could Fly, Uh, love her and... Fred Savage filled up his water pistol mm, with piss. I love right. that sequence. That was from that was an era fantastic. when uh, we understood Asperger's syndrome so well that we thought it gave people <laughs> magical powers. Exactly, mm. we certainly did, yeah. So, But I guess the other thing you could do is if you do have that I believe I could fly back pieces, you can just do the denial thing of R. Kelly's done nothing yes. wrong. He's just been misunderstood. So, you know, Michael Jackson fans have been doing that for a long time. Um, but you can also do the, yes, he's a sexual predator, but, you know... I do believe that I can fly, and you know, they're both sick jams. So I just love. Unfortunately, they are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that big into this style of hip hop, but he was pretty talented. Yeah, look, I believe that there would have been a lot of weddings where oh fuck yeah, ignition and I believe I could fly were played. So if you're watching your old wedding footage and your (laughs) first dance is to one of those songs, don't delete the footage. Just overdub it with uh, I Want to Sex You Up, I think. Mm, Colour Me Bad. Just sort of do that. Much better. Just re-edit it. Keep the footage of you dancing at your wedding, everyone having a good time, but just put a new soundtrack over the top because I think it's probably not the best backing track to have. So people Mm. are probably still putting it on their wedding list to these days, wedding playlist to these days. Yes. I mean, I will extend... your entire thing to, in fact, include uh, anyone over the age of nine who likes Space Jam. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're officially supporting pedophilia and they need to cut it out because those movies are whack as fuck. Yep. Sorry, millennials, we had to deal with this stuff as well. Lots of stuff you liked when you were 15 is permanently going to look like crap to everyone who wasn't 15 when you were and you just have to deal with it. It's part of getting older. That is until you hit 45 and then you can greenlight the eight season HBO reboot and inflict it on everyone younger than you all over again. Yeah, that's correct. Also, Pokemon suck shit and SpongeBob rips off Ren Stimpy. Peace! 
Yeah, it's fair enough. You're right. But when, you know, you're probably not as discerning at a certain age, so you will like certain things. And then when you look back at it um, through a nostalgic lens, you will continue to enjoy it despite the fact that it probably has no redeeming features or is of any quality. But that's fine. That's okay. Hmm. Good luck showing uh, the young ones or Heathers to anyone under 35 and see what happens then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Look, who can forget... The hip hopper trapped in the closet. <laughs> Not fucking me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I think it was R. Kelly himself who declared it a hip hopper. Um, <laughs> it was more akin to Days of Our Lives or some other <laughs> trash daytime TV. But there's 33 parts to that thing, and it just keeps on going and going it and sure going. Does. I mean, like Michael Jackson and Jimmy Savile, one can't deny that R. Kelly left a trail of breadcrumbs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe putting out a 33-chapter opera about repressed sexual perversion might have been one of those breadcrumbs. Yes. Uh, When asked about the writing of uh, the hip opera, Kelly said, I don't know how to explain how I wrote it. It just keeps rhyming and rhyming. He stated that Trapped in the Closet had taken on, quote, a life, mind, and body of its own. Interesting. It's almost as though something he'd desperately kept hidden and was trying to force its way out of the closet. Maybe the same closet that Michael Jackson was singing about in his song, Keep It in the Closet. <laughs> Quite possibly. Yeah, I mean, and also, do you think calling this album Chocolate Factory was another breadcrumb test? I mean, perhaps he just liked listening to some smooth jams while he sipped a drink and imagined his own ass pinching out turds. Yeah. I mean, personally, I preferred his next album, Glass Coffee Table, with its cover of I'm the Scat Man on it. <laughs> but, I mean, Chocolate Factory was good. Fantastic. What about the lyrics to this track? They're all highlights, I assume. (laughs) The first lines to this song, uh, it's the remix to Ignition Hot and Fresh Out the Kitchen, (laughs) were written, R. Kelly claims, five years before the song Ignition. Perhaps because it passes well and he liked the rhyme of Ignition Out the Kitchen. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that there's a fine line between talent, eccentricity and kitty fiddling. There is a very fine line, yeah. Now... Uh, it's like murder she wrote once I get you out of them clothes privacy is on the door but still they can hear you screaming Uh, more sorry I think the lawyers added that last word it's written in biro at the bottom of the lyrics (laughs) I say written down but let's face it he never wrote anything down did he I don't think so So, yeah probably couldn't read the sign privacy or the age on her driver's license (laughs) one would suggest not clearly so look the people that I feel sorry for Tom is it's much like the Beanie Babies scenario of the 90s where people were cashing in you know their kids college funds and their life savings to purchase soft toys filled with beans because they believed that one day those $5 Beanie Babies that they'd purchase would be worth millions of dollars mm, and they'd they be out the of retire. They were the NFTs of their time. They were the NFTs of their time. Except they made more sense because you were buying an object. You were you... buying a physical object that you thought would increase in value and you'd make some serious <laughs> coin. But what about the people that had purchased, you know, all of R. Kelly memorabilia? <laughs> They've got the signed photos. They've got mm-hmm. that stuff. They've got it back now at this time thinking that in 10, 20, 30 years' time, that's going to appreciate in value. I'm going to be able to sell all my R. Kelly merch in, you know, 2040 mm-hmm. and I'm going to be living the dream it's going to be fantastic that stuff must have taken a bit of a nosedive I think <laughs> in its value and those people are who I feel sorry for the R. Kelly investors so mm, I mean they'll always have a market online among yep. people who think that you know any form of cancellation is bad and people looking for 
rare, hard to find Archelly rarities. <laughs> I mean, there's a big there's a big market for Nazi memorabilia. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, look, and I wouldn't. And why? St- I don't think I'd rule out the an R. <laughs> Kelly uh, NFT series if he can get one up and running from prison. I think that would be sure. pretty good. So <laughs> that's right. definitely make some money off that. So. Formulin on Spotify, still on Spotify. His record label haven't gone the extra step of removing the songs off Spotify. Yeah, that's quite. Maybe some this. of them have been. I don't know whether he's released stuff over various labels over the years, and I'd, some's been removed, some still. Yeah, I'd be interested know. to know how many listeners he had, say, five years. Oh yeah, <laughs> before exactly. some documentaries came out. <laughs> Probably significantly more, I'd say. Um, and nineteen cents. You can okay. pick this up for on Discog. So keep an eye on that because I think that price is going to come further <laughs> down. So. Interestingly, yes. Uh, anything else for R. Kelly? Or good? No, no. Let's yeah, let's move on. In. All right, up next. Uh, um, you know, less sexual offence, but offensive to my ears. The Black Eyed Peas featuring Justin Timberlake. Where is the love for mm, six weeks? Oh God. Okay, so this is our first encounter with the Black Eyed Peas, isn't it? Yeah, this is the first in a series of very successful but totally fucking garbage singles released by the Black Eyed yes. Peas. This one's off the album Ella Funk, which is when Fergie joined the band and they abandoned, I guess, their underground hip-hop sound that they were known for mm. and just went full trash. Yes, and, if, and coincidentally, this was also their, where their career exploded and, you know, when they fully took off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, this isn't great, this song. It's not very good, I, I think. It's, no. it's pretty bad. But there are far, far worse in their catalogue. And yes. unfortunately, um, I've looked ahead <laughs> and we have to talk about almost all of yes. them. Because the Black Eyed Peas have a fucking shitload of number one songs. Each oh, one God. worse than the last, yeah, I believe. This was not a good part of the awards, I have to say. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, the chorus is JT. Uh, he was uncredited at the time. Mm. That does give the song a little bit of a boost because, you know, he's not a bad singer. Um, other than that, the most interesting thing I could discover about this song is that it features a sample of another song on the same album. Oh, good. The Apple song. Uh, it's the same guitar intro. I mean, I guess you save money on clearance fees. Yeah, definitely. You sampling yourself from the same album. Some might say that's lazy as fuck, but hey, I don't know. Maybe it's just good, efficient songwriting. <laughs> efficient songwriting, and it makes economic sense, I think, if you just get one sample and use it in every single song on mm, your album. That certainly would, a precursor to repetition. very minimalist songwriting approach they would later become to be known for. <laughs> yeah, look, exactly. Uh, I guess, on the one hand, it's hard to be mad at Will I Am, um, who... <laughs> he used to go by the name Will One X, I, I believe. Think so there's a few reasons. So, so look, it's hard to be mad at him and the other two members of the group. Fuck knows who they are, and Fergie, no one knows. What the, <laughs> one of them the is name. Apple. Hence the Apple <laughs> yeah. song, Apple D Yeah. Oh, good. Apostrophes in between. So it wasn't just Will I Am who was trying to run that yeah. bullshit, Because <laughs> look, they'd released two albums prior to Ella Funk, and each of those sold a couple of hundred thousand copies. So they didn't have yes. a lot of mainstream success. They did have a little bit of credibility. They though, did. Dramatically abandoned. So, and look, I believe it was the record label who I think it sort of said to them, That's you true. know, you guys, yes. you, you haven't, you've released two albums, yeah. now, you haven't had any hits. You know, a couple of hundred thousands, okay, but when you're not mm. breaking even, you're losing us money. So, look, you're going to have to go and do something with that. So, they get Fergie, they get more pop, and then they pump out the hits. So. Mm. 
he, Will I Am, and the other members of the group keep their career going by making this shift. So in one way, I can't yeah. be mad at them for saying, we're going to get dropped by a label, but they could have kept doing what they were doing, and if that label had to ditch them, I'm sure yes. other people, you stick to the path because <laughs> they did have some credibility, and some yeah. of that earlier stuff is actually is quite fine, musically. Yes, at least it has a sort of, at least they had an attitude and a sense of sort of authenticity to them. Yeah. They, were trying, they were trying sort of a bit clumsily to have a sort of message and yeah. stuff. So but, on yeah. one hand, I can understand that, but on the other hand, you can sell out and not make some of the worst music of the last 20 years. So. That's right. I mean, at least Evanescence, they might have had that rapper on one song because the record label made them do it, but then they didn't do 18 more albums with fucking uh. the real McCoy going, wake me up in the background of all their songs while they awkwardly try to fit him in. Exactly. I mean, you can tell how awkward it is at this point anyway because the video vibe is still very Ad Busters era, urban protest, street art type of a deal with yep. the band and the other dudes. Did you see it? Yeah. Seen it? Yeah, they're Damn. like running up and down the street, stickering and spray painting the ground level message of a question mark. That's the, that's the, that's the fucking way they're opening up the fucking squares and Where lines. Where is the love, yeah. The dudes in the band are dressed like Antifa. They're driving around in a van trying to wake up the sheeple, yep. QAnon style. The whole thing is shot in sort of grainy, washed out colour like 8 Mile. And in the middle, there's this sort of heavily stylized white lady with frankly not a lot to do. Mm. There's no dancing in this video. She can't rap. And most of the singing is done by JT. Uh, yeah, at one point they're walking down the street and like towards the camera and Apple sort of like nudges her forward towards the camera, which is kind of like a nice little moment. Like it's like he's sort of going, look, don't be scared, love. I know you're not doing anything, but you're too short to stand behind us. So at least, you know, <laughs> get up and shot at the front of the group yeah. at least. So yeah, you know. I mean, yeah, and also the video has kind of a cool ending. I don't know who directed it. I was too lazy to find it. It's not a particularly good video, but uh, it's shot quite well. And the last... You, the last like 10 seconds are kind of cool it features everybody in that's been previously featured in the video sort of stops and like looks up at the sky like and you sort of because there would have been like a previous allusion to like alien, some alien thing like that but also there's a kind of you know sort of pseudo religious vibe to a lot of sort of hip hop as well yep. but it never shows what they're all looking at like uh. it all sort of and like the last shot is of an old lady's like the reflection in her glasses of the sky as she like tilts her eyes up and you keep, you're like squinting in the reflection of her eyes, expecting to see some clue as to what it is. I, th I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a giant fucking cloud shaped like a question mark or some shit like that. But it's not. It just doesn't tell you what it is, which is kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a slight. Keeps you guessing. Yeah. It's a more elegant, ambiguous, ambiguous ending than you would expect from a fucking Black Eyed Peas video. And certainly more than you would get from anything in the succeeding years. <laughs> <laughs> it's the vanilla sky of, uh, <laughs> of Black Eyed Peas. It, it shows videos. they're in a transitional phase from having some credibility to the Fergie era anyway. Oh, certainly. Look, yeah, absolutely. Um, so they re-recorded some of the songs of this album for a Sim City game in Simlish. Ah, uh, one of the Sims. Now, these songs are fucking garbage in English, so <laughs> I can't imagine how bad they'd be in a fictional language from a video game. Are you familiar with Simlish? Do you know? No, what it is? I'm not. It's just—it's kind of like the um, 
Charlie Brown teacher thing or Mr. Bean, you know, okay. it's that sort of... So they just recorded, re-recorded these songs doing yes, that. Yes, a bunch of other fun. artists did. I mean, at the risk of making an obvious joke, by the time you hit Let's Get Retarded, the average Black Eyed Peas song would be vastly improved <laughs> by just putting it into Mr. Bean language, I think. But yeah, I mean, you know. I, I didn't actually play The Sims games, but they were very popular at this time. They were fucking... They were a crossover gaming success. They're one of those games that people who don't like video games play, like yeah, exactly. Candy Crush or Wii Sports or something like that. Yeah, how do you get people to buy the game? You get the Black Eyed Peas to <laughs> do Where Is The Love in a made-up language. That's <laughs> what you do. <laughs> yep. So lyrically, the song is written as a response to 9-11. <laughs> Where Is The Love? Yeah, Someone well, crashed a plane into a building. <laughs> Where's the love, bro? Yeah, Thanks, also, Will, I am this fine. was released in June of 2003, so a bit yeah. late. I'm yeah. sure the families of the many first responders who lost their lives on that fateful day were grateful, especially after the band donated all the profits from this single to a charity relief fund. Oh, wait, they didn't. No. They just kept it all like normal. <laughs> oh, I take it back then. Absolutely. Look... Uh, they re-recorded this in 2016, unfortunately. Mm. Now, the rework is somehow worse than this, oh which, you know, God, beggars really? belief. But yeah, <laughs> Will I Am said the remake was inspired by the tragic events that were happening throughout the world. I remember, quote, I remember when the attack in Paris happened, mm. people would say, we need, where is the love again? And then Belgium, <laughs> then Turkey, then Orlando... Uh, then Philando and then Alton before him and then Dallas he said everyone was calling on us like we need that song again now Tom <laughs> I have some serious doubts that that occurred yes. do you think that the, after the Paris attacks the first thing the families of the victims mm. thought was you know what we need in this world we need the Black Eyed Peas to rework their classic 2003 song Where Is The Love yes I think the people in people would say we need Where Is The Love are the people from a Donald Trump speech who <laughs> I think the people, people keep the... asking me to run again and people keep telling me I have a huge dick and stuff like that yeah uh, or the people that were asking Will I Am to re-record the song were just the other two members of the Black Eyed Peas yes. and Fergie because there's no fucking way that conversation no. happened Will bro yeah dude that where you need to do that. Yeah. Where is the love? So the only way we're going to stop this domestic terrorism <laughs> is if you can re-release this song. But yes. can you make it somewhat not, shitter than the original, not please? A new song, but Thanks, mate. Yeah, that'd be good. Cool. Cheers. Yes. See ya. See you, mate. He's yeah. got a bit of a record with that kind of behaviour too. Uh, my personal favourite Will I Am moment happened in 2012 when he was interviewed on the BBC car show Top Gear, which was <laughs> at its apex of popularity at the time. At the end of the interview, with a lot of boggle-eyed self-seriousness, he uh, held up a blurry picture of a weird sports car and announced that he was creating a new car brand called I Am Auto, Fuck which yeah. was going to create the future of motoring. He was very serious about this. He went on at length about how I Am Auto was going to open up factories in low-income communities, such as the ones he grew up in, in California's projects and even across his parents' homeland of Jamaica and make a lot of kids' dreams come true and lift them out of poverty, yep. create a new world of uh, ethical motoring. This all got a standing ovation from the audience and a solemn vow of approval from long-fired host Jeremy Clarkson, who census form now, I believe, lists his occupation as professional dick muncher, <laughs> but at the time was a respected motoring journalist. Um, Shortly afterwards, someone made a phone call or two and it turned out that instead of disrupting the automotive industry and becoming the next Elon Musk, 
Will I Am had just bought a secondhand DeLorean and glued some white crap onto the outside. <laughs> Good. So far, that's about as far as the oh, I Am Auto brand has progressed towards community job creation at this stage. At this stage, yeah. Look, it is a sleeping beast, Tom, and I like feel I like said, it will. Yeah. It Sometimes will. these episodes take two weeks to come out, so it's possible that yeah. he will be the new Tesla. Yeah, definitely. By and that look, point, and Elon Musk does a lot of his stuff uh, in the public eye, but I feel like Will I Am's a bit more of a low key guy, and I think he does a lot of things behind closed doors. Yes. He doesn't like the publicity so you know perhaps he's made all these terrible black eyed peas songs are probably just raising the money to inject back into i am auto all done behind closed doors and then one day we'll wake up we'll turn on the news and they'll see will i am driving out in his car and be like holy shit all along Mm. he's been doing this so yeah which is good Perhaps he's working on a environmentally friendly bullshit powered car. That might be. It. Yep. You know when you two put that album on their iPod <laughs> that no one fucking wanted. We've talked about this a few times. Wouldn't it be great if if you buy an I Am Auto vehicle and um, there's no stereo, you can't <laughs> choose anything, but there's just a hard drive in there that only has Black Eyed Peas yes. songs on there, and that's the only thing you could listen to. As That'd soon be as fantastic. You it just goes. Where is the where where is the love? Yep. So that's that's an innovation that I think is probably coming. Yeah, that'd be good. Whenever you change gears, it just like plays a different Black Eyed Peas song. So that'd be pretty handy. I'm scared to ask how many listeners they have now. Oh, uh, 29 million. Fucking hell, that's disturbing. Yep. And you can buy this for two cents, but yeah, that's that's a lot. It's two cents. You also got to forget that between album cycles for the Black Eyed Peas, Will I Am will just drop a solo album between that, yes. which are equally as fucking bad. Yes. So. And then Fergie went solo, and now they're back to their old releasing hip hop albums again. And yeah, yeah, they're so. still terrible. So I yep. think you can't you can't just drop the ball for twenty years and then go back and go. Remember that thing we used to do. <laughs> People will be like, yeah. what? Christ so, yeah. knows how much money they must have now, though. I mean, for fuck's sake. Exactly. They weren't scared of selling shit for ads either. No. Look, lyrically, the best thing you can say about this is that it's a reasonably positive message and at least involves looking at the world and reacting to it and not just getting drunk at parties. The worst you can say about it is that it took eight people, that's right, eight people, that's two full The Beatles, yep. to write this. And the first lines are, what's wrong with the world, mama? People living like they ain't got no mama. Could have said karma at the end of the second line. I mean, it took me 11 whole seconds to think of that. Right, but then again, mama. I'm not ran, running around town gluing question marks to no standing signs, so what would I know? <laughs> you about don't know anything. You don't know anything. I should be driving around in a van with a black beanie on. Exactly right. Exactly. Look, uh, we won't talk anymore about that because there's going to be so much, there's going to be way too much Black Eyed Peas content in this podcast coming up. So, um, look, there you go. I'll try and find out what the name of the other guy is before (laughs) before the next episode because I just couldn't be bothered. I guarantee you it's got full stops in it somewhere. So up next is uh, Dido with White Flag, One Week. This is pretty boring. Yeah. Let's face it. I kind of feel like, uh, as we've been over in the past, a musical style which is actually new and interesting, a bit genre, a bit edgy, will often get into the mainstream, become accepted for, you know, mainstream radio play, and then will often be followed by a kind of backwash Yep. of ostensibly similar but completely toothless nonsense on the charts like Evanescence with New Metal yep. while the real thing kind of retreats back to the fringes. We just saw it happen with grunge, dance music and punk for about the third time and I think this is a small scale version happening to Trip Hop after Massive Attack and Portishead became huge and really did something new with the sort of subgenre. 
Now, it's 10 years on, and we're left with this sort of inoffensive pabulum. And yes, I'm saying Dido is the Nora Jones of trip-hop. The Hinda, <laughs> if you will. She's a real buck cherry, is what I'm saying. But on the other hand, her first album sold 21 million fucking copies. Jeez, that's and that and this combined are two of the biggest selling albums in all of UK music history. So clearly, dinner party trip-hop is a genre that I need to be a part of, or does, I'll be left this, out. Does this fall into trip-hop, does it? Why is that? What I mean is very, very loosely afterwards. This is to trip hop what Evanescence is to new yeah, metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's so, the, it's got, it's, so it has some program beats, that's about the effect of it. Yeah, and so. she kind of has a smoky, slow voice and a kind of slowed down dance yep. vibe to it, but there's just nothing there. There's nothing else to it. Look, if you haven't heard this song um, and you want to know I guess what it is effectively what I'll say is that the music video features the guy who played Angel in Buffy the Vampire Slayer wearing a leather cap <laughs> that's all you need to know yeah. so, and that's Buffy the Vampire Slayer the TV show yes. not uh, <laughs> no. not, not uh, the movie which of course no. featured our favourite 90210 actor Luke Perry yes Rest, divinal song R.I.P. Yep. but uh, yeah the movie was fine but yeah uh, yep, so I that's mean, all you need look, to know she had a crush on Angel at the time didn't we all Oh, doesn't sure. really explain why this was filmed in Cape Town, South Africa for no discernible reason or why the camera spins around the entire video in a vaguely nauseating way for no reason that I could figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look who knows? Look, what I will say is that I know music, the music industry can be hard these days in, in 2022. So we know that streaming services, you know, Spotify, they don't really pay artists as much as I guess artists expect that they should get or people think they get they don't get a lot of money there cancelled concerts because of the pandemic so you can't Mm. play live you can't really do that it's been a tough few years you can't really make money yeah Yeah. so a lot of people are not making a lot of revenue through that so you've got to create additional revenue streams and a lot of people are either doing that through I don't know an NFT of an old album cover recreated in MS Paint (laughs) or a perfume seems to be quite popular Mm, celebrity vodka celebrity vodka yes exactly right celebrity alcohol but is it a missed opportunity for Dido to release her own brand of dildos do you think because her name is effectively dildo do you think that would be a way that she without touring without the spotify revenue mm. dido's dildos boom. i think you're exactly right i mean I think that'd be huge at the very least she could have helped resurrect the cartoon character fido dido yeah oh absolutely i mean he had a lot to say she who should could, just change her name to dildo i think who and then just forget his official mantra <laughs> This is real. <laughs> this is how bored I got with Dido. I, started, I looked up the Wikipedia for Fido Dido. Yep. Uh, this was his official mantra. Fido is for Fido. Fido is against no one. Fido is youth. Fido has no age. Fido sees everything. Fido judges nothing. Fido is innocent. Fido is powerful. Fido comes from the past. Fido is the future. That's... Good. And people have the temerity to suggest that the 80s arts community was heavily into cocaine then. <laughs> so, yes. Oh, we know what happened to Fido Dido. He uh, went to rehab. Yeah. But what happened to Dido after her range of dildos didn't come out? Well, she didn't do much else after this, Tom, but it sounds like... Oh, she's, really? She this sounds was, like, this sounds was the like, high watermark? Yeah, it was Dido? the high watermark. Sounds like she sold a shitload of album co- copies, so didn't actually need to do anything else, probably musically. She probably had as much money as she needed. Uh, I don't think the mainstream wanted more of this extremely bland sort no. of... You know, the boring beats that even at the time it sounded like you could put together in an hour. I don't think people probably wanted more of this. So she didn't crack the top ten again. 
Hasn't had a song in the charts in Australia since 2004, but she was involved in uh, Do They Know It's Christmas for Band-Aid 20. Oh, God. So still That's doing good work no there. Fucking yeah. hell, good to know Band-Aid Definitely. still going as well. That yeah. Fido Dido mantra sounded very similar to the one that Eiffel 65, <laughs> you know, the alien did on that. Sort yes, of. maybe they took the same thing at a nightclub in 1989. <laughs> exactly. Cracked their brain wide open to the possibilities of intergalactic travel and fucking badly drawn cartoon characters. Yep. Well, um, yeah. I think you're right. Like, it, in the Nora Jones vein, they were both briefly huge, but then uh, middle-aged white people realised, well, you really only need two CDs, and then you've got, you know, three hours of dinner party music covered. That's, that's it. That's you know, all you that's need. Yeah, exactly you need. Right. And by the way, in case you're wondering why she's called Dido, uh, I, th- I always assumed it was her surname, but it's not. Um, it's probably because her real name is Florian Cloud de Bunevale Armstrong. Oh, from early childhood, her parents, who clearly had mixed feelings about parenthood as a concept, called her <laughs> Dido. So she had two options, tell people her name was Florian Cloud, or tell them it was Dido, spelt dildo without an L. Yes. Or three options, I guess, if you count just calling herself something sensible, like, say, judging from her haircut and musical taste, Karen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she went with Dido instead, but... Great. Yeah, uh, and her brother... Uh, her, was called Rollo by her parents and so he ended up calling himself Rollo in right. real life for some fucking reason and he f- is her producer on a lot of her albums oh, good. like brother, Billie brother Eilish sister. they had a brother sister kind of thing going on there yeah good um, times yes. lyrically this is very simple might, some might say basic in the <laughs> newest sense of the word song <laughs> I know you think that I shouldn't still love you or tell you that but if I didn't say it, well, I'd still have felt it. Where's the sense in that? Yeah. Good question, because despite the simplicity of the song, it still manages to contradict itself several times. Here she's saying, I know it's over, but I still love you, and I'm still going to tell you about it, even if you don't want me to. Then in the chorus, she says, it's not over. I'll never surrender. I'm going to stalk the guy from Buffy with high-powered night vision goggles until he takes me back. Yeah. And then in the last verse, she says, when we meet up again later, I'll hold my tongue and pretend it's fine and not say anything. So just fucking nut up or shut up. Yeah, Dido, I'm saying. Right. Like, for goodness sake. Correct, yeah. Look, there is a more succinct way to put all of that. Uh, Tom, where is the love? Mm, Question mark. Yes, you know, at least they were I think that was taken of, Yeah, their own bedroom. Exactly. Uh, oh, by the way, this is another, basically, piano ballad. Oh, yeah, it sucks. It's, <laughs> it's bullshit. Less piano, more electro, but it's it's got piano ballad written yeah. all over it. Fortunately, no more of those uh, on today's <laughs> list. Oh, no, wait. Delta, Goodrum again with Not Me, Not... Oh, sorry. Jesus Dido, 4.6 million on Spotify <laughs> and 48 cents for this. So a lot of people are still having dinner parties with boring shit <sighs> happening in them. Play that. So Delta's up next. Not Me, Not I. Another song off this album. Fucking hell. Every single she released off this album... It's probably no secret by now. They all went to number one. Yeah. Every single one. People just couldn't get enough of pianos. That's right. So, mm. look, I don't have a lot to say about this. You got anything, Tom, for I mean, Delta at this stage? Dido and Delta, it's like a delicious sandwich. Yeah. Except there's no filling, just two thin slices of chalk white Woolworths select sandwich <laughs> loaf pressed together, sort of squished into a paste and then eaten on a drizzly Sunday while you stare out the window and feel bad about everything. But... Yeah, lyrically, um, yeah, this was written by Delta and Fwiggy Niho. Um, oh, good, that guy. My, our yep. old mates for white guys you'd never heard of. Yeah. Um, 
if you think love is blind, that I wouldn't see the flaws between the lines. Surprised that I caught you out on every single time that you lied. Did you think that every time I see you, I would cry? No, not I. I won't cry. No, not me. Not I. Not I. Mm. Now, sure, the pronouns and tenses are a dog's recycled breakfast, but compared to Dido, at least, this song has internal consistency. She broke up with a dude, but she won't let him see her cry. It'll happen again with some other dude later, etc. Love is blind, you've got shit taste in men, etc. Again, it's all dull as toothpaste, but I guess, unlike Dido, the production doesn't make it sound like it's drizzling out of a graceless guy inside the song somehow. Yeah. So, congratulations, Dilda. We found someone who makes you sound ballsy. <laughs> Correct, yeah. Back to back with uh, that, you've got yes. this bullshit. Cool. So, look, yeah, Delta, we've already, we've already mentioned it this week. 800000 on Spotify. Mm-hmm. This will cost you $1.88. It's getting Fucking up hell. there. Yeah, I guess that's because the rest of the world wasn't as invested. I don't think in this, they probably yeah. pressed as many of these, but there you go. Look, um, up next, Tom, is the Australian Idol Final 12. Oh, no. What's that sound? Sorry. Axel's asked to give us some reggae. That's the mystifying alarm that goes off for reality TV show bullshit. Yeah, look, Australian Idol Final 12 rise up. Now, this can fuck right off, Tom. Look, at least in the pop stars era, you only ended up with one shit single out of the whole process. So Mm. we had, obviously, Series 1, Bardo wins. You get that one shit Bardo song, Poison. Scandalous win, you get me, myself, and I. Scott Kane win, you get whatever the fuck it was that he did. I can't remember it was so bad. But for whatever reason, in the Australian Idol era, the creative force behind the show decided that the general public needs a single released by the final 12 contestants. Getting together and dropping a single before the contest is even over. So they're just periodically releasing songs as singles throughout the show now. It's so, bizarre, geez. isn't it? It's like a Christmas thing, except not Christmas. No. Yeah, and also, let's face it, the general public is a fickle bitch, because in 2022, I can't even track down the credits of the original songwriter for this. No. That's how little remains of it. I assume they grabbed the cash, burned their hard drive, and hightailed it out of the country before the song could be performed live. No doubt, uh, yeah. Either that or it was Dicko. I guess, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Look, the final 12, though, does feature some of the heavyweights of the Australian entertainment industry. Guy <laughs> Sebastian, Shannon Noll, Rob Millsy Mills, Paulini, all the biggest names, even 20 years on, which uh, is alarming. It it's is alarming. Of, isn't some it? of these people are still yeah. operating within the music it's, industry. It's like when you see that Russia have got a tattoo out of retirement for the Sochi Olympics. You're like, Jesus Really, this is saying more about the Russian pop music scene than <laughs> this so. is 10 years later and you can't come up with anything better than yeah. two fake lesbians who had one and a half hits in, exactly. for about three weeks in 2003. Yeah, I guess Pussy Riot were probably <laughs> busy that weekend or something. Oh, so. they were in a shallow grave. Yeah, no mate. doubt. Um, look, the problem with Australian Idol Final 12 is, Tom, I think these guys could have gone far, much further than just a one-off single you know, we would have loved more input from, you know, the members to write their own songs because mm. I, I assume that someone I else mean, probably wrote this. a couple of but, them sort of did. Yeah, but, but yeah. you know, would have loved more output. A 20-year reunion for a tour, more material. But, you know, I guess, mm. unfortunately, none of those things could come to pass because one of the Australian Idol Final 12 members, Levi, fell off the balcony of the Brisbane Hotel he was staying at in 2008 mm. and died. 
So don't party with rugby players. Yeah, look, it's better to burn out than fade away, as I say. But I think he was probably pushed by Shannon Knoll <laughs> because we I don't think have that, any proof of that. But I mean, you know, let's face it. Yeah, look, I have a feeling that Shannon. <laughs> you know, I think that maybe Levi knew something about the mm. show that he wasn't letting on. And look, I think something along those lines happened. There's probably another podcast in that, Who Killed sure. Levi, that um, mm-hmm. will farm out to someone else that deals with those things. But look, they could have probably got the group back together under the name Australian Idol Final Eleven, sort of like <laughs> S Club 3 style or when Girlfriend rebranded a GF4 after losing the fifth member. But mm. I think, you know, maybe that would have felt a bit disingenuous. So they just decided to lay the project to rest and just let the other individual mm. members go about their, their business, it's I guess. It's a tragedy, so. but, you know. Yep. At least we got all those great Guy Sebastian albums out of it. Y- yeah, look, putting aside the fact that this was just a one-off song mm-hmm. and from the final 12 contestants in the show um, as a piece of music it's absolutely fucking garbage <laughs> that's Damn the it. other thing built me up <laughs> <laughs> Uh, has to be one of the worst of the decade. It sounds the lyrics sound like they were written by a child. Like it's just yeah. horrendously shit. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about, Ben. What's wrong with everybody's come a long, long way, such a long way to be here today? We're going hard, giving it all. We've been knocking on wood with our backs to the walls. We've been working every day and night, waiting for the chance for the day to arrive. And now we've all got something to prove, win or lose. There's only one thing to do. Call Janet's Perm Boutique and ask if our job's still open. Yes. Uh, I think that was uh, a, a line they took out in one of the later edits. But yeah, um, I think it was Reach for whatever it was called again. Rise up. you got to rise up. Mm, yeah. Like an eagle, I think, because, you know, if you're running out of cliches, like an eagle's always pretty good. Yeah, absolutely fucking atrocious. Yeah, like I said, um, this is so bad that nobody would take credit for whoever wrote this. So no, fuck no. And it is just sort of a... Maybe they gave them one line each. Yeah, it's, oh, I think, yeah, it's like a Band-Aid type thing, isn't it, where it's just like Guy Sebastian coming in saying, such a long way to be here today, and then Paulini, whatever the mm. fuck, and then, you know, Robert Millsy Mills doing some bullshit. <laughs> so the whole thing's fucking terrible. But, you know, the concept's bad, the song's bad, so uh, yeah. the fact that it went to number one, you're right, it says a lot more about Australia as a society yeah. than it does about the actual music. Much as we shat on those fucking giant cocaine fueled, you know... Rock the music was better. Group things in the eighties. Yeah, a the music though bad was still better than this, and b at least they were doing it for fucking charity. Yeah, like this is benefiting no one except Simon Cowell, pocketbook, and you know whichever twats. Yeah, funding the I don't know exactly. Grungy. Oh, terrible! <laughs> Look, this was this was this was channel one. nine or fucking whoever. Christ so three weeks of this bullshit. Definitely the worst of the year by far, I'm saying. Fucking garbage. It's not on Spotify, thank fuck. Mm-hmm. So um, you can probably watch it on YouTube if you so desire. No one has the single up for sale on Discogs, which is a new one for mm-hmm. us. And it's never been sold before on Discogs, so there's no even price <laughs> of what it might be. And the album is blocked for sale by Discogs, which only <laughs> happens in one of two scenarios, Tom. Copyright infringement or unacceptable content. <laughs> so... 
I cannot it's think either, of two words that summarize it's this song some sort of than unacceptable content. Yeah, unacceptable content. Usually, yeah, it, it's usually sort of. Um, I think it was the name of a late period Black Eyed Peas album too. <laughs> I think so. So the <laughs> spelt wrong. The content, but was yeah. so questionable that they just went, "You can't fucking sell this," and that's fair enough. So mm. that sucks. We won't get to hear about the Australian Idol final twelve ever again, but unfortunately individual members of that will pop up from time to time so moving on next tom is another kylie minogue banger for one week slow yes she's back again with more top tier material yep still in her fucking can't go wrong period yeah exactly so she was asked in 2012 what the favorite song from her career was oh really and uh she replied especially for you with jason donovan (laughs) And then she said, I'm joking. And she actually said, slow. So this Did is... Did she make that joke? No, she didn't. You... No, she didn't. Oh, so, say. yeah. So, slow. this is apparently the, her favourite song from her career in 2012. Yes. So, that's that's positive. She likes it. I think it's pretty good. She had a, yeah. she had a long string of hits where she'd sort of worked in that new disco dancey type material. And um, yes, they were very... Three, they were good. Three albums of that. This was Body Language. Yeah. But yeah, so there was... Th- yeah, these the ones we've been talking about... In the last few years, stretch over a three-year album. Yeah, yeah. She was very prolific, pumping out like an album a year almost. They really pounced on this style that was popular at the time. They realised finally all the the forces lined up together, and people realised they realised how to make her look good, how to make her sound good. The fact that what she was really good at really suited this musical style and that this musical style was having a moment so they should make hay while the fucking sun shines and get loads of stuff on time. And yeah, um... This was produced by... Oh, yeah, the other thing was get actual good production. Too. Yes. This was produced by Dan Carey, not Danny Carey of Tool. Unfortunately, that would be Don't you mean Danny Carey of... Uh... <laughs> of Green Jelly. Green Jelly fame. Yes. Oh, yes. No, this is Dan Carey. And I reckon he should take some credit for this song in particular because it is, as its name would suggest, it's quite a bravely minimalist song. Mm. I mean, you could call this dance music or sort of neo-disco, which is kind of the stuff that she'd been working in in this um, era, but let's be honest, Ben, we're adults here. Just like Help Me Rhonda and I Was Only 19, this is a song for having sex too, yep. and probably quite a good one. Uh, that said, if you're an 8chan incel like me or simply not at the pants off stage of the relationship yep. yet, the Chemical Brothers mix is probably more fun to actually dance to. Cool. As the name would suggest, this is quite slow. But it's sort of elegant and kind of... It is sort of a sexy, slow... Again, tiny little bit trip-hop influenced, I reckon, yep. that sort yeah, of yeah. slight um, smoky vocal, slowed down dance. And the video kind of... Yeah, I'm sure you, you saw it as well, but yeah, it really It's another iconic music video. This mm. this is the one where really she's cool. poolside, everyone's on towels, and they're sort of dancing while lying yeah. down, I think. Like Very the well song, done. it's kind of minimal too. It sort of yeah. makes a lot out of a simple idea. Yeah. yeah, dancing, lying on a towel, basically. Yeah, but it's and good. the camera's and overhead out. and yeah. it's slowly Slowly zoomed, back, yeah. back. Yeah, exactly right. So look, as you said, Tom, this period of her career, she's obviously working with very good songwriters, yes, good producers, definitely. great video clips, really good outfits. It's all coming together. So yeah, fucking, this is it. her fucking album and singles covers yeah, were great yeah. this time. The typography, she was truly in the zone here like that. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. So no, all is good with that. 
Um, I don't know. We've talked about Kylie a lot in the last few weeks, so I don't have too we much have. more to say about Kylie herself. No. But what about lyrical highlights it's a of this song? Pretty simple one. Um, yeah. Like, that really barely even bothers mm. talking about. It's kind of from that EDM era where it just kind of repeats the chorus mostly. There's not a lot yeah. vocally. Slow. Yeah. Uh, written by Kylie and Emiliana Torini from Iceland, mm. most of whose credits are in Iceland, weirdly, so I'm not sure how they hooked up unless Kylie took half of it and came over the top of it. Yep. Uh, this is a stock standard disco as fucking sort of metaphor. Basically, the only interesting thing is the emphasis on going slowly instead of the usual tonight, so right, got to happen tonight before my dad gets home and notices the stain in the Tarago type yep. of deal. Didn't yes. normally care with this thing, but yeah, that's about it, really. But good, yeah. good. No, it's just more of her good period stuff. Cool. Um, 92 cents for this. So if you've got to buy something off Discogs and the choice is between this and obviously you can't get that Australian Idol Final 12 because it's banned. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely purchase that ahead of any of those Delta ones yes, that cost a definitely. lot more. So. Cool. All right, up next, uh, Britney Spears featuring Madonna, Me Against the Music yeah, for two this weeks. This one. I, yeah, this is yeah, my it's, annual I've Forgotten This One it's actually, It's actually, weirdly, listening to it, I went, oh, this isn't one of her Britney's more memorable songs. Like, I'd sort of no. forgotten about it as well. It's not the finest, but um, obviously, at the time, Britney was still big enough that maybe her and Madonna, maybe just the, the combo of those two together was enough yeah. to get people to rush out and buy this. This, is, this oh. is sort of a Britney versus Madonna type yes. situation. So yeah. this is basically Britney in the Junkie XL role bringing Madonna <laughs> back from the dead through song. So effectively, mm. not that Madonna was dead, but career-wise, she hasn't had a hit <laughs> for two years, so it's effectively dead. Yeah. Um, look, let's be honest, Britney gets a lot of love from Gen X and Gen Y because they remember her from the 90s and from, you know, the fun part of their youth. Yeah. Hence the popularity of her recent documentary and the sort of public, you know, interest in getting her out of her current, you know, travails with her management and so forth. But to be honest, I have yet to meet anyone who's a big fan of a song she released this millennium. I have to admit, <laughs> I think when almost everybody is thinking fondly of Britney, at least from my age and the next decade underneath they're imagining her first few albums and the stunt songs that we've already covered yeah. there is a good one coming up Tom but you're right yeah ah uh, yes most. sorry Toxic aside yep that's the only one I can really think of in the popular consciousness I mean name me anybody who's got a soft spot for me against the music really nobody yeah exactly look this isn't one of the better songs I don't think I've heard it probably since about 2003, as I mentioned. It's not like Toxic uh, that does get blasted on Cole's radio probably every day. <laughs> and the Madonna parts are whack as fuck as well. It's just her just going, Britney. She just says Britney a lot. And you're like, oh, Britney. Hey, Britney. Like, she, <laughs> yes. like, I don't even know if she sings any parts of the song. Just, just no. going, hey, Britney. Yeah, Britney. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't say that Britney's rapping in this, but she's certainly singing very fast in parts. 
doing like a zub, zub, like yeah. almost like a, kind of that Savage Garden song where the guy <laughs> just goes cherry cola giving it some die another day stuff yeah definitely yeah, yeah, definitely not rapping but certainly singing fast in the video she's wearing a pleather bowler hat and a pleather tie so I'm not sure is that is, is a pleather hat ever a good look <laughs> I don't know is that what Madonna's wearing um, Britney's wearing a pleather bowler hat yeah I feel a little bit sorry as I said earlier with Christina Aguilera I feel a bit sorry for the uh, pop songstresses of this era trying to be sexy because looking at the cover for this uh, single is like looking at the cover for uh, Dirty by Christina Aguilera. They're yep. both wearing spectacularly uncomfortable looking, completely unflattering, entire midriff exposing low cut jeans that stop just above the area where... Midriff, that's exposing yes, two-thirds <laughs> of Britney's... <laughs> the lower pudenda area, yeah. which not only look fucking uncomfortable, but also both of them manage to look like they make you look as though you've pissed yourself. Yeah, that's Which true. was a mystifying jeans fashion. And she's teamed that with uh, wife beater singlet and a Gilligan-style fishing cap <laughs> yeah, for has. full sexiness. Appeal, I don't think that one's made of pleather or leather, no, but yeah, she, she's just done like you've got to fight. They both did quite well to manage to look attractive despite the fashion that was going around at the time. But yeah, yeah. What do you think "me against the music" means? Do you, I mean we haven't got to the lyrical highlights yet? But mm. what, what does that mean? It's she's she's taking on the music. She's against the music. Yeah. She's against this music, or is it just a response to the terrible Black Eyed Peas songs where she's sort of like, I'm against <laughs> that music. It's me, Britney, against shit music I don't know it's weird she seems to be in the lyrics she seems to be bragging about how she's the only person dancing to this song on stage and so it's like she's like fighting the shitness of the music yes and the rest of the crowd of you know she's brave but they've given up on how shit this song is they've gone to the bar to get another Maduri but she's out there on the floor and no one cares it's whipping my hair it's pulling my waist to hell with stairs, the sweat is dripping all over my face with the effort of pretending that this is not a shit song. No one's there. <laughs> I'm the only one dancing up in this place. Tonight I'm here, feel the beat of the drum, got to keep it that bass. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm up against the speaker trying to take on the music. It's like a competition, me against the beat. Again, like, I've never felt combative towards the music. No. Nah. I've definitely listened to music and thought, this music's so bad, I want to punch the singer in the face. Yeah, but, but I haven't I'm thought, taking the beat on. Yes, this music's so bad, I'm going to dance for hours. Yeah, and exactly. Prove, let's see who goes down first, me or this shit song. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps she should have tried to turn the beat around, perhaps. Mm. You know, I don't know. That's other, Is that what that song's about <laughs> as well? We're going to turn the beat around? Because the, the original beat is bullshit, I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, look, it's hard to say, Tom, but all I know is that you can't fight the moonlight, um, <laughs> so, which true. makes as, as little sense as this yeah, song. Yeah, so song. in one of the lyrics to a song later on uh, this year, I think it might have or might have been that Kylie song, she mentions uh, the impact of the music uh, turning her around 180 degrees, which perhaps, you know, was a subconscious idea that she should, you know, flip around backwards and just call it quits. Yeah, yeah. Go somewhere else. <laughs> no, exactly. Look... Interestingly, Madonna did this duet, obviously, with Britney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say duet in the loosest of terms because it's just her going, Britney, that's pretty yeah. like It was meant to be a solo song and then 
Britney. This is when Britney and Madonna kissed at the MTV Music Video uh, Awards. Yes. So after that happened, there was a bit of publicity around. Oh, Britney and Madonna had that weird kiss at the thing. So this song was just meant to be Britney solo. They brought Madonna in and she did a bit of it's Britney bullshit. Yeah, capitalize yeah. on that. But so interesting. Yeah, Madonna agreed to do this, but she generally doesn't do duets. So mm. as you may have seen from That's her, true. Career, she doesn't doesn't really do no. them. So apparently Bono approached her and said. Madonna, hey, it's Bono here. I'd like to do a duet with you. And Madonna said, oh, Bono, sorry, I don't do duets, which is clearly bullshit <laughs> as evidenced by this song. I just have a feeling that she went, fuck that. I don't want to work with, with Bono. You know. God, imagine those two egos trying to share the space the same room. Yeah, that'd be... be... like two powerful electromagnets being pushed <laughs> together <laughs> on the same poles being yeah. forced together. Ooh, wow. Yeah, they'd probably need to bring in a heavyweight to produce that, like, say, Will I Am, I guess, to really <laughs> get the best out of the two of them. Yeah, but that I'm sounds not sure even totally Dan fucked. Carey and the Neptunes could make that one. No, happen. I don't think so. Exactly. So, look... Uh, 24 million for Britney and 18 million for Madonna. So wow, as of so 2022, yeah, Britney, wow. Britney has more, more. But I, and that, how many did Kylie have? Did we say? Um, I think about eight million. So oh, I didn't okay. mention that, but I did mention last week. But yeah. So interestingly, I mean, Britney might be on a bit of a roll after the uh, the documentaries that have come out recently. Sort of yeah. her recent. Um, oh, just back in the public conscious. Yeah, back in the public conscious, having you know being removed from that bizarre sort of arrangement yeah. that she had the conservatorship so all of those things have happened so yeah back in the public conscious so yeah correct so yeah that's good for her 62 cents for this on Discogs I, don't, I can't really say that's probably not a great deal <laughs> no. compared to other songs I can't even really remember them so there you go um, anything else to say about this one? no no cool alright moving on Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Guy Sebastian, Angels Brought Me Here, three weeks. This is some more bullshit. Now, mm. the final of Australian Idol Series 1, we are, we are, we've met the final 12, we've, <laughs> yes. met the fi- we've met those guys, Robert Millsy Mills, Paulini, they didn't make the cut, Season 1, final, Guy Sebastian v Shannon Noel, which in hindsight was really an unfair competition in that, you know, there has to be mm. one loser. It's sort of like pitting John Lennon against Mick Jagger. Well, okay, maybe Sean Lennon against Brooke Hogan, but you know what I mean. You know, there has to be a loser here. And unfortunately for Shannon Noel, he came up against Guy and took home second prize as a consolation. But Shannon didn't have to record this song because the winner had to release Angels Bought Me Here. So I guess in many ways, you know, it was good for Shannon that he didn't have to do this because I'm not... Do you think he's gravelly, um, you know, performing... In a cover band, sort of <laughs> vocals would have really suited this song. No. Angels bought me here. So, yeah. But anyway, he's just won the singing contest. Uh, sorry. Guy did. Uh, congratulations. So, here you go. Here's the first single. Fantastic. And Angels brought me here. Angels brought me here, Tom. Angels <laughs> brought me here. That's the song mm. that Guy, as the winner... <laughs> Had to record. Yeah, like, would you just if, if if you won the contest and they went you're the winner? 
here's the first single, what would you do? Would you yeah. try and have that record contract rescinded? Would you go, <laughs> I'm happy to do this? Because Angels brought me here. Angels I mean, brought me here. Like the opening line from a shit comedian, it's a title that begs for an immediate response, e.g. well they can fuck back off with you then. Yes. Oh, and let's not forget, as the title hints, that Guy Sebastian, as well as presumably an egomaniac, was also a born-again Christian. Uh. Ladies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people will only remember Guy from his afro, and that's unfair because in this video he looks like what would happen if Derek Zoolander grew his hair out. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's also rocking a number of other early 2000s fashion faux pas, popped collar with a zipper on it, jumper... Um, staring at the floor, terrible sneakers with corduroy pants, white suit, just the list of fashion crimes goes on and on. Yeah, it was a bad era to sort of be yeah. a musician in the public eye. Chin beef drawn like on it. with texture, <laughs> yeah. the whole LEG type thing, yeah. Like, exactly. It was a bad time to be styled, as we've already... You know, but yeah. But he didn't have a choice in the matter because Angels no, brought him no, here. No, that's so true. That's you know, he didn't get to choose the time that he was born. Uh, it no. was up to the Angels. The Australian public couldn't get enough of this song. <sighs> if you can believe it, this was the highest selling single of the year. But not only that, the highest selling single of the decade. God almighty! And it was the highest selling single by an Australian artist of all time God, until Gautier and Kimbra came along. A few years later. That is so depressing. If Gautier deserves credit for one thing, it should not be that. But that's what, fucking it, depressing it, as hell. This yeah, high-selling single by an Australian artist of all time. No, it shows yeah. that, like the UK, even though I like to pretend that we're not, we are a sucker for a fucking cheesy fad. And this was the first year of Australian Idol, and despite the fact that. It wasn't like a singing contest had just been fucking invented. Everyone went fucking crazy for it, which explains how that happened. And that he got a career out of his sort of middling, you know, vocal oh, style. Yeah. And also the fucking, that 12-man Rise Up single. I mean, how the fuck that ever got played on the radio? You can only credit to this shit. Oh, exactly. Terrible. Look, it also, listen to this song, it sounds like it was recorded in 1982 yeah. by Stock Aitman and Waterman. The production yep. values on this are fucking abysmal. Like, it sounds so shit. Yeah. I, when I listened to it, I went, is this, is this it? Is, yeah. or is this, because I, I remember him singing, but I couldn't remember the instrumentation. Yeah. And then I heard the instrumentation went, fuck me, this is bad. Yeah. Sounds like they put it together over the weekend. You're right. And the video is the same. Like, mm. it just, it, it looks like an unofficial cobbled together video from excerpts of his <laughs> like tryouts for I like like a fan has made yeah, it. They both look and sound like what they are, e.g., a group of people who, in pop music terms, are better than me, yep. but not good enough to achieve commercial success without a six-month-long unwatchable commercial spruiking them yep. to tweens. And this was the best they could do after that. Let us never forget that this is how Simon Cowell made his millions. One overcharged text message at a time from a suburban 12-year-old with mum's phone and shit taste in music. Yeah. And this is what you end up with when you let those people vote for their favourite fucking contestant. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Boy. The general public could... Uh, uh What's the word I'm looking for? Very poor judges of ability. <laughs> the general public who would sit through six oh, months yeah. of this shit and yeah, exactly. pick from the available options. And we're all the victims because we had to listen to this song mm -hmm. on the radio, etc. Now, it does raise the question, though. Do you think Guy was better 
than Shannon? Do you think that he won legitimately? Or do you think that he won because he had to manipulate the votes at some time? He got maybe his family to call in, you know, all of his friends. Maybe he did something. Maybe he sort of was able to somehow work the system that allowed him to poll more votes than he really should have, more votes than his rivals. I'm looking at some Levi, for instance, I think. Is it possible that Guy did something that stopped Levi who should have won the competition from winning. Mm. And if Levi had have won the competition, he wouldn't have been staying at that hotel in Brisbane. <laughs> he wouldn't have fallen off the balcony. Mm. He wouldn't be, he'd still be alive today. And I think in many ways, Guy Sebastian probably has blood on his hands because it was through his manipulation of the votes that mm. Levi is dead today. Yes. Is I that mean, a fair assessment? I'm not going to go on record and say that Guy Sebastian's definitely a murderer, but, I mean, I'm saying prove to me that he's not a murderer. Oh, exactly I right. Do. Look, he either manipulated the votes, which indirectly led to Levi's death, or mm. he pushed him off the balcony and directly caused Levi's death. Yes. It's one of those two scenarios. Mm. So I don't know which one is it is, <laughs> but it's definitely one of those two. So, look. Um, okay, how is he doing on fucking Spotify. 3.3 million. Oh, Christ, that's Which is a lot. The sad part is he had a tiny flicker of overseas success. What did he do? He did a song with fucking an American artist who was popular at the time, briefly, but... Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. And yeah, I he, think that explains why, for instance, he yes, some yeah, he has you know four times as many listeners than Delta. Did he does. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. the, that's the point. I guess that I was trying to make earlier with Delta that she has significantly fewer listeners than Guy Sebastian yeah. does. So. Guy Sebastian co-wrote some songs with um, fucking. Robin Thicke. Oh, did he? Um, yeah, no, he did a fucking... He was featured in a song... God damn it, that's going to drive me nuts now. I can't, that's I can't right. interrupt you probably, you probably get you probably get to yes. talk about The kind of thing that would have been played on MTV and that sort of ah, thing. Okay. So he, yeah, whereas Dilton never quite achieved that yep. terrifying <laughs> no, vast level of overseas <laughs> success. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, so yeah, three point three mil a dollar. It'll cost you on Discogs okay. to buy this. Um, so yeah, look Sorry, exactly. I say that every time. <laughs> Lyrically, this you can't blame the lyrics on Guy. Again, this was written by Jorgen Elifson, who's worked with Britney, Celine, and David Hasselhoff, plus John <laughs> Reed, who managed Queen. So you can't blame Guy for this, but you might be asking what the fuck those guys were doing. Uh, it's been a long and winding journey, but I'm finally here tonight. I'm picking up the pieces and walking back into the light, into the sunset of your glory, where my heart and future lies. There's nothing like that feeling when I look into your eyes. My dreams came true when I found you. I found you my miracle. Mm. Now, I don't know about you, Ben, but I counted ten lines there covering ten separate metaphors. Yeah. And every single one of them, without exception, was a hacky fucking cliche. Terrible. Frankly, I expected better from a man who once wrote for the star of Baywatch Nights. <laughs> like, I mean, he needs to pull his finger out. Absolutely right. Look, was Hasselhoff involved in the writing of this? No. <laughs> no, the guy, uh, Jorgen Elifson, who worked with Brittany, Celine, and David Hasselhoff. But Jorgen didn't write for Baywatch Nights, unfortunately. No, That's but David shame. Hasselhoff did. You know, <laughs> just that connection. 
you know, I expected better from that. John Reed was managing Queen when they did fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. You'd think he'd know what a decent song looked yeah. like. Yeah, remember, not. you probably can't, but remember how Baywatch Nights Season 1 was just Baywatch <laughs> but at night time? Yeah. And then Baywatch Nights Season 2 was like an X-Files style <laughs> trying to solve like m- crimes with yes. fucking monsters and shit in it. It was just like, what in the fuck? I've it never seen a whole a fever episode. Dream. I'll have to go back. Oh, yeah, I definitely remember yeah it was it was insane that they were just like what if it was like the x-files but with david hasselhoff at the beach it was like great so look good question anyway so any of the lyrics in there uh murder confession per chance or not so no no no, well he hadn't he hadn't pushed levi off the balcony at this stage that was still to come in the future hacky song yeah look it's it's fucking woeful um so that's yeah look i don't have anything more to say about that uh up next Delta Goodrum, Tom. God almighty. Predictable (laughs) slash happy Christmas, the war is over. Delta is fucking crafty, I'll give her that. So Mm. what if you take one of the shittier songs off your album, release it on the 1st of December and then put a cover of a Christmas song Uh. on as the B-side? Straight to number one. So credit where credit's due. She did that. Also, five number one singles off your debut album is a very good achievement. Yeah, so undeniable. They're all terrible, but I will give her credit for that. She's done a very good job there. People clearly had a fucking hard-on for piano ballads at this time, but no one listens to them these days. So yeah. weirdly, stuck in a sort of period of time, but look... As I said, yeah. credit where credit's due. Good on you. Five number ones off your debut album. Yeah, I will say, as... Uh, compared to the other fucking songs of hers that we've covered this year, if you produced this totally differently and threw in some guitar solos, you might just be able to squeeze a power ballad out oh, of this. Nice. I reckon she supposedly pushed to go with a rockier version than the original demo. I mean, sure, this is heavier than, like, Innocent Eyes, but so is a rice cracker tied to a helium balloon. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it does kind of sort of the chorus kind of rocks out a little bit what if there was a guy um, in the chorus going can't wake up yeah that that's what it needed, tipped it needed, it needed yeah. yeah or maybe Fergie dropping yeah. some fat beats in the front but yeah at the 2003 ARIA Awards which if you don't know are like the Grammys if they had the budget of your office party <laughs> Delta won single of the year best female artist highest selling single highest selling album breakthrough artist single Breakthrough Artist Album, Best Pop Release, and the Channel V Oz Artist of the Year Award. When the announcers got to Album of the Year at the very end of the show, and Delta was nominated but lost to Powderfinger, a visibly pissed Bernard Fanning wobbled up to the mic and just went, fuck, in a sort of confused way, (laughs) because she'd won every single other thing she was nominated for it. Yeah. Sadly, one award Delta didn't win that year was Best Video on the technicality that all of hers sucked ass. Uh, instead, the award went to The Androids for Do It With Madonna. <laughs> Do you remember that? Fuck oh, yes. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. The best thing you can say about anything involved in that shit fest is that some drag queens got paid to pretend to be pop stars for an afternoon, and I bet they still had to bring their own fucking costume. Christ almighty, I'd forgotten that one. When that popped up, I was like, oh, what's the androids? Like, oh my God. It's like if Nova FM started a band. <laughs> fucking hell. It was fucking awful at the time. So bad, and I imagine yeah. it is not aged oh well. Oh my so. God, yeah. Um, lyrically, theoretically, this is about a girl rejecting the advances of a man. 
because she can see through his facade and knows that if she lets him enter, enter her life, she'll end up heartbroken. In reality, it sounds like two stalkers arguing about who has to pay for the taxi home from the knife shop. <laughs> uh, now that I know your every move, how are you going to hide, baby? What are you going to do now that somebody knows the truth about how you and how you're just so you're just so predictable in every way? I want you to know I know your game. It's so unbelievable how you never change. You won't get away with loving me. You're just so predictable. Right. Uh, presumably she's, you know, got a detailed map of his routes to work, you know, his <laughs> dropping the kids off timetable and so forth while he spending the evenings watching her with night vision goggles from across the street. So, Good. yeah, I think they deserve each other, really. Sounds like it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, $1.99 that'll cost you. Don't buy That's fucking way too expensive. That's one of the, the highest. That's for real. That must have uh, many of <laughs> No, not at all. Um, that's it. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Anything else for Delta? Fuck, no, we've talked about God Delta almighty. a lot. So, who knows? there might be more Delta next week. I mean, fuck. I mean, that, uh, fair play to work. That is the only person we've talked about since doing the start of this podcast that had that many number ones in one fucking episode. Yeah, exactly. She had thing. one last week and then four this yeah. week. I mean, I know that's it's crazy. I know it's Australia, but even then, no other Australian certainly done that. Not since we started this fucking thing. So. Yeah. What well, I guess. Um, did we talk about how she started off on Neighbours? We did that last yeah, week. Yeah, we? we did it yeah. all last. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. There's nothing else to talk no, about. No, no, no. I think these days she just is on one of those things, the game sh- the shows with the people. Yeah, she's, like she's on the one, on one with the ones. spinny chairs, okay. whatever that is, yep. X Factor or... Is Some it bullshit. No, it's the other one. That... The Voice? I don't know. The don't Voice, know. yeah, don't. that's it. Um, cool, so up next, last song of the year, Tom, Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> Shut Up. For three weeks. Now, mm. Shut Up is something I imagine Fergie's heard numerous times <laughs> over her life and career uh, uh, because her vocals are fucking annoying. Yes, uh, I quite agree. Uh, let me ask you this, Ben. Yep. From this real list, what is the most appropriate title for a Black Eyed Peas CD single? Yes. Is it A, Shut Up, B, Take It Off, C, Let's Get Retarded, or D, Something For That Ass? <laughs> As in, oh, where can I put? Where can I keep this CD single? Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Some for that ass. Fuck yeah! Look, this song's worse than "Where Is the Love." Is that? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Do they get? I don't. I don't know whether they get progressively worse. Because that's implying that the high watermark is where is the love, and that was terrible. Well, where so. is the love, as stated, contains almost no Fergie. Yeah. She's barely in the video, and she's barely in the song. But, yeah, this is a real duet. It's a real back and forth with the Fergie. <laughs> yeah. Fergie playing the role of the, you know, the, the, argue, the lover that you're arguing with, but, yeah. Yeah, look, it's it's no good, but there's that. Yeah, there's, I think there's definitely worse to come from the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, a hundred percent. You yeah. got anything to say about this? Oh, not really. Um, we've already talked about the Black yeah, Eyed Peas, so yeah. I look, and there's going to be way more of this, so yeah, I can I can find out some more about them. So this was another one from Ella Funk, that album that, yeah. as we said, signalled the start of their shithouse mainstream making tons of money. Period. Yeah. Uh, lyrically. Look, bend your ears, Ben, and see if you can make any sense out of these four lines. Yep. So why has it got to be so damn tough? Because fools in lust could never get enough of love, showing him the love that you be given, changing up your living for a loving transition. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Have any idea (laughs) what that means? I literally do not know what that is supposed to mean. 
Anyway. Are the lyrics meant to be so fucking stupid so that then in the then Fergie can just go shut up, just shut well, up, shut up? Yeah, it's can't not understand a, exactly. It's not a complicated song. It's about a couple arguing, but I do not know what the fuck they're supposed to mean. Then it follows on, girl, it's a mission trying to get you to listen. Screaming at each other has become our tradition. You yell, I yell, everybody yells. Got neighbours across the street saying, who the hell? Uh, sounds like a man whose grasp on what neighbour means is about as solid as his grasp on the question, should I put retarded in the name of our next single? <laughs> yeah, because as far as I know, neighbours across the street aren't your neighbours. Yeah. They're the people who live across the street, you know, but hey, look. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're saying, who the hell? <laughs> anyway, fucking... <laughs> Let's get retarded. Is that um, they, they they couldn't still play that on the radio, could they? Well, fortunately, even at the time, it was a bit dodgy. So they released. They had a nightclub release, which was "Let's Get It Started," uh, or yeah. rather, the radio release, and then in the nightclubs, they'd play "Let's Get Retarded" as well. Yeah. It's kind of on the edge of when that was still acceptable, but you're just yeah. going out. Good heavens. But yeah, that's that's the wrap-up. I didn't actually... Did you have any other things that came close in 2003? I kept thinking oh, while I was listening to this that I have a feeling that there was interesting shit going on here which was not uh, covered in the titles, but, you know... Oh, you'd, you'd think I might be thinking be. of other years. It's okay, man. Don't... Yeah, no... People I, have heard enough about our fucking... This year was just like a... Piano ballad, Delta Goodrum, Black Eyed Peas, three hit combo. Yeah, it's over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a rough year when one of the better songs is uh, Wake Me Up Inside, Bring Me to Life. (laughs) When Bring Me to Life is like the highlight, you're going, geez. Christina Aguilera's follow up to Dirty, high watermark for the year. Exactly, yeah. That was pretty rough, but. I hope that next there'll be significantly less Delta going forward. I think we've done that, but there's going to be. I think Guy's going to pop up a few more times. Oh, and I'm some sure of those it other fucks, so. The last time that Gimme Some Reggae is going to pop up, <laughs> should have played that again for Guy Sebastian, but even Absolutely. Axel was getting sick of it. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. We'll yes. be back next week with 2004. Uh, who knows what that'll entail? But I'm sure it'll be you know a roller coaster of. Great songs, and, you <laughs> sure. know, probably some more Black Eyed Peas, no doubt. I think Black Eyed Peas are probably going to feature every week or every oh second week God, now yes. until the end of time. And so. then just when you think you can't hear enough of them, then Fergie goes solo. Look forward yeah, to that. Jesus anyway, Christ. but don't don't take that as a reason not to listen to this awesome podcast. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, we will get to milk money eventually, <laughs> Fergie's milk at least, money. At least that's got a good video. I got that milk money. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. It's great. All right, bye. Okay, <laughs> see you guys.